Boom. Welcome back to, to the Hank Strange situation. All right. Of the locked and loaded. So make sure you subscribe, thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified. Okay, now Garrett, we do these this thing called jazz hands. We gotta get the jazz hands going. Come on, hootie who get the jazz <laughs> hands going. We are live. I hope you got your big girl panties on. Welcome back to the Who Move My Freedom podcast. This is episode 407. We've got Hootie Who, there he goes. Hootie Who is here joining us. And we also have Garrett from Bond Arms joining us. Welcome, Garrett. Welcome back, Hootie Who. Um, the show is brought to you by Walther Firearms, so shout out to them for sponsoring the uh, the channel here and helping us to be able to put the show on. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking basically to Hootie Who, so I know that you guys enjoy when Hootie Who comes through. We're going to ask him some questions, see what guns he has for us. And then Garrett, he's here from Bond Arms. So uh, uh, we might talk about Derringers. We might talk about Derringers. And maybe mustache wax, Garrett. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're good. For you. Yeah, I think you, you've got the mustache uh, game on point right now. Uh, what is it the young people say on fleek? <laughs> I don't know. I always get as good as Yeet Cannon, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Please, Garrett, tell me you guys are not going to put Yeet Cannon on anything. Please. Well, you know, uh, I think High Point actually got that idea from us. Uh, we actually did an online uh, uh, quiz or whatever for our 44 mag. Uh -huh. And so I'm pretty sure that's where they got it from. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, they but their their thing went viral in so many. Oh, it did. Yeah, it, it was did. kind of it was kind of insane. All right, so everyone's coming in right now. So all the folks out there, please thumbs up. Okay, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here. Uh, ring the bell so you can be notified when we go live. I see lots of people coming in. Do the thumbs up, share it, and all that. If you have questions for Hootie Who as well as Garrett from Bond Arms, let me know. I'll try to get to as many of those as I possibly can. As I possibly can. Um, uh, first, let's uh, let's check in on Hootie Who since he's been here last. What's going on? You you look like you're in some kind of dream. You know that? Yeah, I don't know what the deal yeah. is. I, I had my wife turn on all the different lights and the lamps, and kind of what I did, I looked like a ghost. <laughs> it looks like like a bedroom commercial. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> yeah. So there's is there something on your uh, camera? Is it like? No, I tried that too. Like I thought maybe there was some dust or piece of tape. There's too much. <laughs> I don't know what to deal with. Don't take this the wrong way, man. There's a lot of white going on. <laughs> There's a lot of white going on. So you might blend in. If people, okay, he's got a green cup. That's Hootie Who, I promise you. For anyone out there, don't adjust your, your sets. What's going on, though, man? What's up with you? Oh, same old thing. Same okay. old thing. All, right. and all that stuff. Okay, cool. And I'm sure you've got some uh, fun guns for us here that we'll I get into. So. Yeah, all right, cool. And uh, Garrett, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Good to see you guys. Yes, good to have you here. We've uh, we've been talking to each other for a while now. I think you've been with Bond Arms for a couple of years, right? Uh, almost, oh gosh, it's like almost five years now. Yeah, yeah. So I know I've been seeing you, talking to you. It's great to have you on. Um, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to get into here. And you're coming to us from uh, Texas, right? Yep, uh, it's Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. All right, very cool. So thanks for coming on, man. Um, I'm sure the folks out there are going to have some questions. The folks out there right now who've got Bond Arms, let us know. This is a good time. Let us know in the chat what your Bond Arms situation is, if you have it. If you don't know what a Bond Arms is, well, we'll, we'll help you out with that. Uh, they they kind of look, look like this. This is the new one. 
right? This is the new one. And there's a there's a couple of things. It's like from the rough line. I know this is the rough and rowdy. Yep. This particular one, and then rough series. Yep. Yeah. Then what's this other one? This is the roughneck. That's so roughneck. Roughneck, yeah. rough and rowdy. These things are built like tanks. You know, two shots. Uh, when you run out, this this is also a good projectile. To yeah, it's great hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can Impact do a lot, of, a lot of damage with these. They're really beefy. I know that you know. For anyone who's into uh, derringers, there's lots of different kinds of derringers you can get, and these are some pretty uh, tough, beefy derringers that are out there. So. Um, I, I'm pretty sure everyone out there knows about Bond Arms. If you don't, let us know. We'll get into it. We'll educate you a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure we will, uh, you know, you guys will enjoy finding out about these. And, and there's going to be some people, too, like, uh, I don't need a Derringer. You know? Oh, that's, I, I live there, man. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we still, we still sell quite a few of them. <laughs> yes, it's a lot, a lot. So let's, st right. let's start with Garrett. I mean, we, we've, everyone's met Hootie Who. So, I'm, uh, you know, we'll give them a chance to come up with their questions and stuff like that for Hootie Who. But who are you and uh, what do you do at Bond Arms? How long have you been doing it, et cetera? You know, how well, long have you been around? I got started in the firearms industry when I was about 15 years old, I'd like to say, because I started cowboy action shooting then. And that's actually when I first met uh, Gordon, uh, Greg Bond, the mm -hmm. inventor of the Bond Arms Pistol. Um, I actually won the Texas State Championship with one when I was 16 years old, and they wanted to give me one to go to the World Championship. And so that always stuck in my mind, you know, oh, man, it's the coolest thing when you're a kid to have a gun company want to give you a gun mm -hmm. to go compete at something. And uh it, it, it fell through. It was like he called me like three days before we left, so I wasn't able to, to take possession of the gun or anything like that. But you fast forward um, like seven, eight years. Uh, when I was 22, I was working for Cimarron, and I was at my very oh, cool. first – Yeah, so I, I was, I've, I've worked at you know, several different places. I've, uh, and at Cimarron was the first place that I saw Gordon and Greg bond again, and I've always stayed in touch with them. And since then, um, I've managed gun shops um, – I worked for Cimarron for almost four years, um, and before uh, I went to Bond, I actually worked at Tracking Point, um, and that was a really eye-opening experience. Um, and since then, I've worked for Gordon for the past five years, Okay, and it's been a, it's been a great ride. Right. So Tracking Point, uh, what was it? I, I've heard of Tracking Point. What did Tracking Point do? So the tracking point was the world's first precision guided firearm. Um, basically, right. John McHale was the guy who came out uh, who owned Net Netgear, um, and he went on this Thompson Gazelle hunt and mm -hmm. missed uh, Thompson's Gazelle like 400 yards. And on the ride back, he's like, well, "Let me get all my NASA people together and figure out how to solve long distance shooting." <laughs> and so, literally, you have a computer on top of this yeah. thing. It's not a scope, right. and mm -hmm. it has a screen that you're looking at, and it has a a laser sit and receive unit and a, a barometric pressure basically has a weather station built into it and you're looking at this screen you tag a target um, up to 1200 yards away with a 338 uh, and it will transpose a red dot on that target and you take your crosshairs you pull the trigger all the way to the rear mm -hmm. hold it back and then float the crosshair over the other dot and it will go off on its own essentially uh, when it has the right computation 
Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it was intense, but an XS one, the three thirty eight uh, starting price was $27,500. Right. So it was, <laughs> it was, you know, and the thing that I don't, it was, it was definitely technology people that developed, that came up with the company. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were smart because the first people that they brought in was all of those gun nerds. Um, and all of us gun nerds, the, the only problem that we saw and it ended up, I think being the nail in the coffin for them was that most people who are true gun people, they want to educate themselves and be able to shoot themselves. And the fact that you can just tag something and take a shot and it do it all for you at, you know, eight, 900,000 yards kind of takes a little bit of the challenge out of it for a lot mm-hmm. of us. But, uh, no, it was a, it was a really interesting company. They're still around in some form, but they've, I think they've declared bankruptcy once or twice since then. Yeah. It's Uh, a cool, it's a cool thing. Um, it's a cool concept. And I remember at SHOT Show for years, it was like a, uh, everyone was gathered around over there to get the demo, you know, um, it was, yeah, the hype they had, the marketing machine they had was intense. Yeah. And I think they did media day too. Absolutely. Several times. Yeah. Right, absolutely. So I'm sure we've like run into each other somewhere along the way there, even before you came over to Bond yeah, Arms. I've, yeah, yeah. I've really been in the I've been in the industry. I can say to, since about 2007. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. That's serious. Yeah. So um, so Bond Arms. What? How, how did you? You said you met Gordon and uh, and his brother. I think it's Greg, right? Yeah, Greg, the yeah. inventor of the pistol itself. Yeah. yeah, so you met those guys. How did you wind up going over there? What was the... Well, so I was working for a company called Dark Ops Armory um, up in Oklahoma, and that was after I left Tracking Point. They were one of my customers, and I ended up going there and running their shop uh, entirely online. Um, the only things we carried were things like Nighthawk pistols, Guncrafter Industries, um, 1911s, Republic Forge. Um, we were one of the largest distributors for Barrett M107A1s, M82s. Uh, we did surgeon, uh, any type of surgeon rifle you wanted built from the ground up. So we specialized in all high, very, very high-end stuff. Um, Bilzerian was one of my customers. All right. Um, Dan Bilzerian. I mean, all, <laughs> oh, yeah. That was mm-hmm. a, lots of interesting conversations with him. I um, yeah, he liked anything that was cool, um, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I worked for, for them for over a year. And basically, I just kind of was ready to go home um, and wanted to come back to Texas. And I had never been able to work for Gordon. He had asked me to come work for him several times, and I was always doing something else. Um, and it was just the right time. And the way he really got me was he uh, uh, he bought an, a 40-foot 2014 Tiffin RV. I mean, this thing's brand new. It's beautiful. <laughs> he had never, he'd never driven it himself before. Yeah. And he calls me and says, Hey, I got a job for you. And I come into his office and he just shows me a picture of this thing fully wrapped in bond arms graphics from, mm-hmm. from tip to tail. And so that's what me and my family have done for the past four years is be on the road, hundred mm-hmm. percent full time, um, in this RV going around to every motorcycle rally or large shooting event that you could imagine and basically getting the word out for bond. Um, so it's oh, that's a, really a cool, cool job, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's somebody pays you to drive around in a in an RV. Yep, with yep, guns, yep. glamping with guns. <laughs> yeah, going to all the big shooting competitions and going yeah. to motorcycle rallies and yeah. just when, I'm in a different place every two weeks. <laughs> when yeah. you need a vacation, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, hit me up. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yep. we could get who we 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 could do it right. My wife would be down. So yeah, it's been it's been great. It really has. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, 
you know, now we're, we're downsizing a little bit. Um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, the market is having a little, some contractions, um, and it's nothing even specifically to do with us, but we were talking about, uh, the USC and Ellet situation following chapter 11, yeah. us being one of the top 30, uh, creditors, um, uh, from them, right. things like that cause us to have to tighten our belt when we need to, um, but at the same time, we're also expanding and pumping out things more than we ever have before. We mm-hmm. had the Rough and Rowdy series coming out. We have the Slimline coming out. We came out with the Bullpup uh, two years ago. We have mm-hmm. the Long Slide coming out in January. Um, yeah. So we're really, I mean, this we're really awesome, trying to way. be a gun company. Right. You know, a lot of companies are marketing companies, <laughs> especially some of the smaller companies that own a designer rights to something. And they basically just continue to make that or variations of that. And we're really wanting to try and... Um, take the Derringer to, and I think we already have, take the Derringer to levels that no one ever thought they could be. Um, and if we're going to make a semi-auto, we want it to be the most unique, um, best performing uh, semi-automatic on the market. We don't want to try and compete with the likes of Glock. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we want to make that's and, and hence the bullpup. Right. Um, but yeah, I, it's been a great ride. Yeah, I think there's, so there's a bunch of stuff going on there. One, the Ellet thing that you were talking about, we were talking about that, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Basically, there's a few companies, not just them, that had this, like, Hillary plan, where basically they figured, you know, they were looking at it, companies were looking at it, they figured Hillary would win, and then everyone would just go out there and buy every gun, even though we went through the firearm again before that, and people overpaid for guns, and ran up their credit, and then they bought gun like an a- ARs for two, three, four thousand dollars that weren't worth five, six hundred bucks a couple of months later. So these companies had this plan. I think they wound up being something like what two hundred and seventy million dollars or something in debt that particular company because they were, they were so big as a distributor, right? Yeah, Ella was one hundred and eighty-eight, one eighty-eight million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. They, and, they, and that was also they had bought AccuSport uh, mm-hmm. only a year or two before that. Mm-hmm. And AccuSport, previous to that, was the largest distributor um, in the United States for firearms. And so you're talking about wow. basically you have to realize just how big this company is in the realm of yeah. So uh, so know, so what's their so if AccuSport was number one and then they bought them, they were still number one then. That they're was, still number one, but there is no more AccuSport. That was right. it was they changed the name wow. and they called it is underneath the uh, United Sporting Companies. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's a big big dog. Yeah, they well, they bite off a lot. I think that this basically bit off more than they can chew. They had to deal with the downturn in the farms economy as well as taking over the largest farms distributor in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there, there's also talk of mismanagement of funds and some mm-hmm. things going through the courts right now. So there's all kinds of stuff. We don't know how it's going to turn out. All we know is that gun right. companies are the ones suffering for it. Right. But but we, I think that this whole distributor model is something that has to be discussed about mm-hmm. um, because it's something that – uh, gun com- we as gun companies rely on very heavily our distributors um, mm-hmm. and distributors with the way the gun company has been with the, the, the fear buying, as you're talking about, of the Obama days. Um, uh, the, the distributors really benefited from all of that. And those were one of the reasons why the, 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 the mechanics that you saw happening during that time were happening was because of dis- distributors. Mm-hmm. Um, very few gun companies, other than, uh, especially large gun companies with the exception of Kimber, don't use distributors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much easier for us as companies to ship 500 guns at a time to one entity rather than, you know, if we have to ship orders to every single dealer out there, right. our staff inside has to become much larger. There's a lot more things that go on. Mm-hmm. So, but the problem is when distributors start making decisions like they do and you have distributors going down in flames, then we also reap the repercussions as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one of the things we're talking about in this, in the farms industry. You're talking about, 
how things are changing and, and how, you know, right now is way different than it was 10 years ago. Um, and wh- where is the bottom? How are we going to hit the bottom? What is it going to see? What is it going to look like? Um, and I really think that we're going to see it go to, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize because it seems like the last 20 years has been, you know, the world of firearms. But before that, um, the firearms world was a lot smaller, a lot more focused and black guns and ARs were not a thing. It was hunting rifles and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you're going to see a, a lot more reliance on specialization and uh, focus on high-end type things and things that are a little bit different. And the ARs and the black guns are always going to be there, but never, I don't think, to the extent um, that they were before unless the same thing happens again. And that's one of the problems with the firearms. Mar- you know, us as an industry, we're so beholden to politics today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could be – everything that I'm saying right now could be completely different in two years. Yeah, just um, based on what goes on. So let me – I'm sorry. Let me uh, let me get into let me get into the distributor thing here. Who do who? Feel free to jump in on this. I don't know if you ever think about it, but I know the the distributor model is something that I've always like struggled to understand. And there's some cases with uh, let, let's say just to you know I'm not trying to like throw them in you know under the bus or anything, but let's say Caltech for example, right? They're very dependent on the distributor model. So in other words, they build what they build. They build some cool stuff. I think they've got like those basic little small pocket guns that they make, but then they've got these cool bullpups and things like that that they build, uh, sub-2000, et cetera. They just want to be able to build them. Basically, they already have orders with the distributors, so they build it and they ship it out, and they don't want to get into selling directly to the customer. But it creates a problem on the flip side for the customers because the distributors play games with the things out there that people can't get um, as readily. You know, So when they come out with something new, like that happened with the KSG back in 2013, you know, and other guns that... They were making a bunch of these things and sending it to distributors, but then the distributors were hoarding them and then telling the gun stores like, okay, you've got to buy all these guns over here that you don't really want to buy, and then we'll send you one of these KSGs or one of these things or or that thing. And it's very uh, frustrating for the customer out there because if the store has to do that, when you go in, a like $600 gun becomes a $1,200 gun. Yeah, you and know. your prices, your bottom line goes up just generally with the fact that you have a middleman in there as well. Yeah, but but the reason why the industry looks like that now is because manufacturers want to manufacture. Mm-hmm. We don't want to also have to do all of the legwork and all of the. It, it's it, it is it's a very difficult thing to manufacture in America today, especially. Mm-hmm. And if you have to do all of the extra stress that distribution does from you, you're having to add an extra 15 employees, how many extra million dollars on top of your bottom mm-hmm. line, and all of a sudden it's much more attractive to have that. So it's kind of a catch 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain, and, and that's kind of why you know when you when I talk about the high end specialized market, you don't see. Um, Wilson Combat or Nighthawk um, or Guncrafter Industries or Surgeon in in distribution. Um, the reason why? Well, number one, they don't make enough to be able to, you know, to to warrant that. Um, but it also means that they're kind of protected and they have more control over their bottom line and over their price point because of that. Um, and so I think we're going to see distributors getting smaller. Um, I don't think we can 
necessarily support the type of, uh, you know, there's such low margins in firearms these days anyway mm-hmm. for everyone involved um, that I think that you're going to see distribution start to change. And I don't know what the end result is going to be. It's something that we at Bond Arms are struggling with all the time. We love our distributors, but we also would love to be able to have another outlet that we don't mm-hmm. have to depend on that to be able to run our business. So, so it's, it's a big question in our industry. Right. So how does that work for you guys right now? Can people buy directly from you or no? So that brings up another thing that's going on in the world today called mm-hmm. Wayfair versus South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayfair versus South Dakota is a Supreme Court decision made last year, um, and it and it it's basically what's internet sales tax. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you're selling into um, another state, there is a thing that creates economic nexus. In the state of South Dakota, it's 200 transactions or two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Once you hit that nexus, you are then liable to pay sales tax. Um, the issue with that for a company like us, and I would say for a lot of other companies, is we have sales reps. We have comp- people that actually have operated or been in that state, not actually creating sales, you know, but having presence in the state. And you ask, well, does that create presence? And so it makes this whole tax thing going on right now extremely difficult. And so having a distributor makes that a lot easier because right now, if we were to set up um, to be able to sell into every state, you're talking about having to set up for sales tax and register for every state. Yeah, for different um, states, different rules too, right? Like different California, rules. So yeah. ca- California, New York, um, <laughs> not only not only the state collects sales tax, but the local mm-hmm. um, local uh, communities as well as the county. Mm-hmm. So you could be reliable for sales tax on three different levels in California, New York, mm-hmm. or Alaska. Um, wow. So it's it's something that is, is a is a big deal, and the repercussions of that have yet to be seen. Um, there's there's it, it really can't be understated how big of a deal that is. Um, the entire tax code that everyone has gone off for the last thirty years just completely did an absolute turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the the issue is also if you know states could co- go back and say, oh well, you've had a sales rep in operating within our borders. Um, we're going to collect sales tax review for the last four years. Yeah. Um, so that becomes a whole other thing. So. Yeah. Um, so that way, the Wayfair that you're talking about, is that the same Wayfair that um, was in the news recently because their employees uh, don't want to sell beds to yep. immigration? <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Wayfair. Yep, it was Wayfair and uh, I believe uh, uh, Zappos and 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 someone else. It was all all in it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it's it's yeah. it's it's something that's actually and and that could you know there's a lot of. For a small business, there's a lot of things that you have to jump through hoops to be able yeah. to do. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this yep. is interesting. I don't know how interesting it is to the audience out there. I know Hootie Hoo's probably... I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think it's really interesting. I don't know how the folks out there... I know Hootie Hoo's looking probably at the chat right now. I find it interesting. What about you, man? Do you... Adam, do you think uh, I, I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff because it kind of has to do with the future of this thing that we're in. And I keep telling people, even like on the local store level, like the this local store that you deal with or I deal with, they have to change the way they do business. You're going to see a lot less online presence for the small guys. And it's going to be certain specialized people taking over the online industry because a lot of little guys don't want to mess with having to set up for sales tax. Now, do they – People say, "Well, oh, well, that's two hundred transactions or two hundred thousand dollars. I might never hit that." Mm-hmm. Well, you still have to track it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in business and you're go, if you're trying to do things, you still have to track how mm-hmm. much sales, and that and that is a whole another layer of complication that you have to do. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's tracking it. Uh, there's what kind of software, what kind of payment uh, 
how do you collect the payments because the companies yep. don't want to deal with us? Uh, Hootie Who, what do you see? Like, wh- what do you think about this from uh, from your point of view of like dealing with your local gun store and stuff like that? Or I don't know. Do you buy everything from the local gun store? Or do you get some stuff online? Yeah, I, I buy everything from my local FFL. I don't buy anything online. Okay. Yeah, so so buying from the local FFL, how do you do you see it changing? Do you are there things you think should change? What do you think about this whole? Well, this is the way I think about it. I'm a pretty simple black and white dude. I don't care what the price is. I'm going to support my local people regardless. Mm-hmm. So okay, that's kind of my take on it. Right. So you're not so you're not thinking about price so much. Uh, what what do you? think about do you think about what's there in the gun store or are there things that maybe you you're like hey i wish this was here but they don't have it for some reason or they get a tough time getting it in how do you think about that i've never once had a problem with my local guy being able to get anything i couldn't tell you distributors he uses Mm -hmm. but every time i've gone to him and say hey order me this he said yep it'll be here in one or two days oh cool okay i don't know details of it but Hey, I just like supporting my local shop. Yeah, yeah. This pro, this there's like a system. There's um, how many different distributors are there now? I mean, there's 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 a there's as far as national uh you know national level distributors you're talking about like RSR and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sport South and Lipsies and things like that. There's probably half a dozen, but there's there's dozens upon dozens of regional distributors that mm-hmm. only service their local states or surrounding states. Right. Um, but you know, one of the reasons why you're usually able to get a gun now one to two days is mm-hmm. is the Amazoning, as I like to say, of the dis- yeah. of distribution, <laughs> where yeah. RSR and all these other big distributors have uh, uh, warehouses and shipping points in multiple locations all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so to a local guy, you walk into a local guy, and all he does is pop right onto RSR's website or Sports South website, and he, he's got them all, I guarantee you. He's, you go into any dealer in the United States right now, and they've got half a dozen bookmarks. And they go in there, click on the bookmark, and they check the availability of all the prices. They say who, who can get it the fastest and who can get it the cheapest at the best margins for them at the best price for you. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of why distribution is so successful now is because a, a dealer can go and basically shop prices to give the consumer the best deal, not only in price, but also in, in the case of RSR, usually they've got their shipping down. They're known for it where you can have it in one to two days. If it's in stock, you're going to have it in one to two days. Mm-hmm. And as we know, if you're walking into a gun store, that's a lot of the, that's really one of the make or break things about buying a gun is how long does it take to get to me? Right. You know yeah. What I mean? that could, that, if you have to yeah. wait six weeks, you might buy something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you're dealing with because you're dealer, dying to spend or, sorry, your money, dealing, money has to be spent. You're dying to spend your money. That's right. <laughs> and so if you were dealing with a manufacturer, the manufacturer's main priority might not be the speed of it's getting out. Right? They need to make the guns. So yes. that's where the distributors really do kind of take over and and benefit in a lot of ways the end consumer. Um, whereas if it was like how it used to be, you'd be waiting quite a bit longer for products. Yeah. Um, so now it, I see, okay, so Billy Phoenix says, exactly, Adam, I too support my local gun store, actually a farm and ranch supply, uh, which is cool. I think so. Listen, I think some stores are better than others, depending on where you are, who are the people running it, etc. Now there are folks out there who are looking for better deals. And uh, have you heard, like, for example, um, there's something that, I, that I've uh, been involved with called Big Daddy Unlimited. It's kind of, you know, the system that's set up where you can go on the computer and see all these different, um, these different distributors. 
it's kind of that, but you, you pay a fee every month, right? And then you have access to all these things. And because of the fee you pay, you can, you can buy these things at those, what we would call wholesale prices. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. Never heard, heard about yeah. that one. Yeah. So, um, so it's something. It's something I was kind of involved in when it first started. It's out there. You know, those guys are, uh, those guys are doing stuff. But, I mean, it's kind of like the Amazon model, right? Or maybe the Costco model, or you know, there's different things like that where you pay a fee, you get access to this stuff, and you can get it pretty much at the same price that your store would get it from. So you don't have that add on to it, which is not a lot, like you said. It's not a lot right. of money that they really add on to things, but you could save money. You could buy ammo that way and other things where I think it, it makes more sense. Um, I think sometimes in the long run out there, you see uh, better deals than what you're going to get there because you're paying the wholesale. But someone in a local store that's had that gun sitting on their shelves for a while, they're going to discount it even where they're going to lose money because ultimately they can't have it uh sitting on the shelves. But what do you think about things like that coming in the future, coming coming to play? Well, you're going to see a lot more of these, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of it. There's guns TV. They tried to do guns on TV a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's all, you know, we, we, as in the firearms industry, when people don't realize is we can't do direct sales on social media. That's one of the biggest growing ways of, of, of getting your product out there and getting it sold to the masses. Mm-hmm. And we can't use that. Um, so you're seeing all these little, uh, social media projects, uh, Patreon, all this different kind of stuff. Uh, popping up to help support not just Second Amendment people, but people that believe in freedom of, of, in general. Um, and, you know, I think it's interesting when we're talking about um, distributors is, and you're talking about going in the store and someone having something on their shelf, um, distributors are one of the reasons why th- there's such a lack of, 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 uh, uh, inventory in a on lot of the gun stores that we go yeah. in today on the shelves, mm-hmm. right? Because it because people are scared to spend their money on something that they don't know if it's going to sell. They're worried that it's going to, like you said, be sitting on the shelf and they're going to lose money on it. And it's a lot easier to just have some Glocks, some Springfields, a couple 1911s, a couple bird hunting guns, a couple bolt-action rifles, and a couple ARs. And then if you want anything other than that, then you're going to order it mm-hmm. because you can get it in one, two days. Um, and so there's good and there's bad about that. Um, there's, that's why when you walk into an amazing gun shop, it really does make you drop your mouth Mm -hmm. and be like, wow, look at the selection they have in this place. Look at what they have on the wall. Um, and those are people you'll find a lot of the times, those are the shops that have worked out deals with a manufacturer directly. Um, and they also will get a lot, a lot of times they'll get better terms on things. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're also not able to just special order you something, um, a lot of times if it's something like that, but, um, you know, that's why I think in the realm of guns, the gun stores that you're going to see that are really successful are going to be the ones carrying things that you can't get at distributors a lot of times mm-hmm. and are things that you have to pre-order five to six months in advance. Um, things like a Wilson combat or a, something like that. You can't just find it by, you have to special order it. Mm-hmm. And if you special order it, um, if you have it, you're the only one that has that yeah. at the time. Right. It doesn't matter if it's $3,500. If they want it right then, they're going to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's just a really interesting you know, d- dynamic. Um, and this distribution was not a big thing 20 or 30 years ago. That's only been in the last 20 years. Yeah, really. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So, Adam, I know there's a ton of people in here for Hootie Who, so you better like shout out some of these people. I could see it in the chat. The chat's going crazy. This happens. This happens every time, Gary. I don't know. I mean, he's a very demure. I don't know if you're supposed to say, like, supposed to refer to a dude as being demure. He's a very demure guy. 
Yeah. I've never heard that word in my life. Dude. <laughs> it's very quiet and humble, but people love him. <laughs> maybe for that reason, right? Maybe, you know, maybe for that reason. So I don't know. Do you want to shout out some of these people, or do you want to jump in here on the conversation that we're having? Oh, I mean, everybody's in there. I appreciate everybody yeah. jumping in. Right. There's lots of people out there. Make sure you guys smash the thumbs ups, okay? We we need that to happen. Um, I think as Garrett was saying, one of the things happening, not just, uh, you know, th there's so many things happening here now with social media, not just the uh, gun companies or manufacturers or stores being able to advertise. I think they're coming down on um, the guys like us who talk about all of these things and try to educate people or connect you guys, so... Uh, you know, help us out by smashing the thumbs ups. That lets them know that people are interested in this content. Uh, do you have any shout outs that you need to do? I see some people. They want you to shout them out. Who do you? Uh, I, I hate to do the shout out because then I'll forget somebody and then I'll make. Okay. Okay. Uh, I see Josh uh, Roke is. Uh, is it? Is it? Am I saying it right? Roke. See, I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's Roke. He says shout him out. There's a bunch of other people out there. Uh, f uh, let's see. Forrest uh, Hollum 64 wants to, uh, he says hootie who. Just go through the thing. Everyone that says hootie who, you could shout yeah, out. We, we, got, we got Shooter in there. There's Walter and Sean and Josh. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Who else we got? Lynn. Yeah. Christian's in there. Yeah, Ashley from Gun Streamers oh. here. Lola is FaceTiming me for some reason while I'm on. Oh, hey, what's up? Lola's on the Lola's on the FaceTime with her brother. <laughs> yeah, remember I told you guys uh, Lola's brother just became a uh, sergeant major in the army. So yeah. yeah, she was just FaceTiming with him. So yeah, he's probably checking up on me to see what I'm doing. Ashley from Gun Streamer is out there. Ashley is out there. Have you heard of Gun Streamer, Garrett? Uh, -uh. what is that? So basically, like we're going through a lot of problems with YouTube, Facebook, yep. and all of that. Gunstreamer is a platform, huh? I said YouTube sucks. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> so Gunstreamer is a platform like that. Um, it's not just for gun stuff. They have lots of people on there, but that's the name that they've got on it right now. Um, they have an app that works on iPhone and works on Android. It's a platform that it could pull all your content that you already have on YouTube and put it uniquely on their platform. So if YouTube deletes all your stuff, you've got things over there, and then every day, week, or whatever you post, it automatically puts things over there. Um, they also have a component that's like Patreon that you were mentioning, where people can, um, you know, people can give money to you, etc. So uh, we've we've been doing a bunch of things with them, and and I think I'm, I'm inviting you guys at Bond Arms to check them out. You just go sign yeah. up there. And tell them, and they'll pull all your content over. So if YouTube, I don't know if you guys have ever had your channel killed. I know there's some people in the industry side that have. Uh, yeah, uh, like you know, we just don't do that much on YouTube. I think for us to even raise notice on it. Oh, okay. They they're gonna come for you one of these days, especially <laughs> especially when you up your profile. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> when you start doing more stuff, huh? What's that, Adam? I was telling somebody today. I got more views when I had 5,000 subscribers than than what I get now at 60,000 subscribers. Oh, yeah. they, they suppress the crap out mm -hmm. of yeah. gun channels now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's, uh, it, it's really serious. I mean, my channel, my YouTube channel is approaching 80,000 subscribers, and a lot of times I'll put up a video, and it would be lucky if it gets 2,000 views. Yep. You know, it's, it's insane. And that's because they're doing just that, you know? So... 
I think that's why, like you're saying, Garrett, a lot of this industry is going to change. You're either going to die or change in the next. Yep. Uh, I don't even know if we have ten years. Yeah, I don't know if it's ten years. It's yeah. it's it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, and unless people, there's a major political upheaval mm-hmm. and everything starts switching the other direction and people start freaking out again. Yeah. I mean, it's just the fact. Well, you know, as many guns mm-hmm. as we sold, as many guns as we sold in 2008, there's still a bunch more people out there without ARs yeah. and extended magazines. I mean, you saw California, what happened when uh, mm-hmm. extended magazines were available for a week. Yes. I mean, the, <laughs> you the couldn't get a I, magazine. You, you couldn't buy it, one. It, it, it was insane. <laughs> the companies that I heard, they were pulling 24-hour shifts, their shipping yeah. departments, just yeah. to be able to get mags out. So That's just you know, ridiculous. That's just so, it's sad. Yeah. Things like that are still things like that. Things like the 2012, and I was working in retail mm-hmm. um, when the, when Newtown happened, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, I it was absolutely insane. I've never seen people standing, 30 people standing in line to buy a gun, and literally people fighting over an AR yeah. saying, no, 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 I, I, I was getting that one first. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was nuts. And we were one of the people that we didn't couch people. We sold them for full retail, but we didn't sell over. I know of a company that got 200 Knights Armament SR-15s mm-hmm. three days after Newtown happened, and each one of those go- guns were sold for over six thousand dollars. Wow! So, so oh. it, uh, wow. that's what I'm telling you. I mean, people made their fortunes off of off of. Yeah, I mean, Knights that. Armament sells expensive stuff, but damn. Well, that gun was a it's like a twenty five hundred three thousand dollar gun. So yeah. they doubled yeah. doubled their money on it, and yeah. they were they you know. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's you're gonna see things episodes like that happen, and the industry is just got to be and, and we are now we're more ready to be able to uh, turn on a dime to be able to take advantage of those situations, um, and you know, it's just not something that's going to end anytime soon. There is going to be a certain amount of normalization, but we're still going to have those spurts when things like that happen. Yeah. And right now what we're dealing with, like the news that's come out over this last week is that Google is, is doing their damnedest to make sure that there's, that what happened in 2016 won't happen in 2020. So far as the elections, you know, we've got to get our act together. I was just going to ask you if you saw that, that yeah, is leaked on purpose or whatever, but um, I think Project Veritas put it out there, but then they deleted they deleted the video that Project Veritas put on YouTube, and then they put it on Vimeo, and Vimeo deleted it. Yep. <laughs> there were people passing it around on Instagram this yeah. week. I don't know if you can still find it, but that's where I saw it. First. Yeah, there's st- because there's people who knew that it was going to get deleted, so they downloaded it. I've got some fans that did that, and they're like, hey. You know, we have this video and, and I think that, um, yeah. you know, I think we I think we realize this kind of stuff is happening and we really need to like step up like on every level. The way that we do what we're doing, the way the manufacturers do it, the way that stores do it. That's why like what Garrett was saying when it comes to um, when it comes to stores. And this is a question I was going to ask you, Adam. Um, first of all, what like what's the best store that you've been into that just blew your mind away? Have you gone into a store that when you're like, wow, I can't believe has that ever happened? Oh, this this does not sound good. No. Okay, so I know I was. I'm trying to remember what where I was in Texas. Was I in? Was I in Dallas? Was I? I think I was in Austin. Um, there's a real high end store in Austin called. Oh my god, is it the Range at Austin? The yeah, Range on 35. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That if you go in that place, it will blow your mind. It's a it's got a range, it's got a gun store. The gun store is organized like the freaking matrix. You know, all the guns have like 
outlines and screens behind them that tell you what yep. this gun, what this gun is, and you know it's all locked up. And someone comes and opens opens it with a key. They have like every single gun you could imagine. You can get your hands on there, and then they have, like I said, they have ranges. I think there's a little restaurant or a cafe or something in there. There's an upstairs place that you can go to smoke cigars. <laughs> it's it's really like a cu- a club. It blew me away. I mean, and and I think that that's kind of like a destination place for gun guys. Yeah. So that and there's a, a Scottsdale Gun Club right in mm-hmm. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. When you go to that, they have a back room. They have an ocular reader. The only way to get in is to scan your eye. And then when you walk in, there's a gun concierge on your left for when you're so done awesome. at the shooting range for you to give them your gun. They clean it for you uh-huh. and they stow it for you in your own locker ready yeah. for you to pick up. Yeah. You've you know, got, it's intense. You've got to do some of these things. Uh, and, and so I think like, – or, or for example, I went to uh, Standard Manufacturing Connecticut, which used to be Connecticut Shotgun. I think they still are. They make those bespoke shotguns. Um, and they do other stuff in there, and they're they're kind of set up like that. They have like a real nice clubhouse kind of feel, because of course, if you're, I mean, those shotguns are expensive. So if you're buying those shotguns, you get to go pick out your wood. It's like buying a Rolls Royce, you know, something like that. So now I'm not. I, I know that not every local store, <laughs> not every local store could do that, but I think that stores need to start thinking like this, right? They need to think, yeah, how can they make this a destination, a place that you want to go to? Right. I mean, you're always going to have the mom and pops who are just going to be able to do the basic. But, yeah, people that run, especially a shooting range connected with the store, um, it's not going to be so much like what I like to call the FUD range, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's 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 you're going to have to have good good air filtration. The air conditioner is going to have to be working right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to have decent rental prices, a good selection of rental guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's another big thing um, is, is rental guns. Um, that is really, I think, one of the big futures for um, way th- the way that we interact and sell the customers because a gun really is like a car. I really think you should mm-hmm. um, be, be able to test, test drive. drive it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and going to a range, imagine going to a range where every single thing they had on the shelf, you could say, I want to shoot that one right there. And you actually be able to go shoot it. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something that manufacturers are going to have to be working with more and more with on ranges. And people like the range in Austin, um, uh, Frisco Gun Club up in Dallas. Uh, there's a lot of ranges like you. Uh-oh, somebody's like you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of ranges like that that are uh-huh. popping up more and more. Um, but yeah, yeah Walter Miner says more. Top Guns in the Midwest is like that. Top Guns. Yep. 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 Uh, there's there's there, there's quite a few of them. There's a uh, there's some really old gun shops that are really cool. There's one called Almonds um, up in Minnesota. It's been a privately owned gun shop since 1946, mm-hmm. and the amount of, they have over 5,000 guns on the shelf. Yeah. I mean that's that's insane. Um, so, but yeah, but it's a destination, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to have the, 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 the ranges that are going to be successful are going to be the ones set up like that where people want to come and it's not just for guns. It might be for, uh, like you're saying at the range, how they have a cafe. Um, yeah, yeah you, there's, called- there's, there's lots of different things you could do. I'm sorry. Let me just give this shout out. Eric Smith says gun for hire in New Jersey changed my life. My wife likes shooting more shout out to them. I think that you're going to have to, you, not everyone's going to have like millions of dollars right to drop on this but there's things you can do to make something unique and cool about your store uh whoever i don't know if i don't know if adam wanted to say something here then we'll go back to garrett so most people have heard of uh bud's gun shop yeah right 
So there's one in Tennessee, and they have a shooting range there. And it's in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge area. But they have another one. Did you guys hear about it in the news? Somebody off themselves at the shooting range? I think that's the one in Kentucky, right? And also, in my city where I live, same thing happened last year. Yeah. Like five miles from my house. So me personally, I'm very apprehensive of any shooting ranges. I'd just soon go out in the woods and shoot guns. Yeah. It's unfortunate think, there's been stuff yeah. like that going on the past, uh, like, 10 years, I think, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and you know, I don't – and the problem is, like, even in Texas, um, you know, in states where you live – if you live in Utah or you live in Arizona, you can do that. You can go out to the desert mm-hmm. anywhere you want. And believe me, I, I'm not a fan of indoor shooting ranges either. Right. But in places like Texas where it's almost all private land – there's a lot of people who the only choice they have is to go to an indoor range. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and, and it is unfortunate. Um, and in the outdoor ranges that are out here, the politics, um, noise ordinances, all, all this stuff actually makes it some, in a lot of ways more difficult. In fact, much mm-hmm. more difficult for an outdoor range to be in existence than an indoor range. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. and, and it, it, if you're outside on a Saturday and Sunday and you don't hear gun blasts, there's probably something wrong. That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, not everyone can live in the hills of Tennessee. I mean, you know, I mean, we, you know, we will all love it. We can, you know, just let us know. Create a bed and breakfast on your property. Yeah. Let's that's go. The, yeah, that's the thing you need to do. Good idea. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But but look, in all seriousness, that's the kind of direction I think that everyone needs to go. If you're if you're like a small um, gun store or something like that, and you're listening, and you're like, yeah, but I'll never be able to do that. You know, I don't have that kind of money. There's still things you could do. For example, there's probably some gun guy that lives in your area. And you can always get in touch with him and say, hey, why don't you come by my store? You know, maybe when he gets guns coming in, because I know this is like doing being a guy doing YouTube. I don't do it anymore because my local gun stores were actually not very welcoming to me. So I just had I just went and got my own FFL. So I am an FFL SOT. But there's a lot of guys that don't even want to get into that because that has its own uh pains that comes along with it so you could just say hey listen when stuff comes in for you you can come in here you know come hang out because when people come in the store and see that guy they're going to be happy you know and you or you could arrange something with that guy to have like a a, a day during the week or the weekend whatever it is that that guy's hanging out in the store talking to people you can be it's just it's just your imagination i think that's standing in the way of a lot of people of what you do yeah, I mean, a local gun shop can even if they, even if they don't have a shooting range, they can partner with a local shooting range mm-hmm. and do demo days and do a lot yeah. of other types of community outreach events and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. do car you know, shows, do whatever it is you have to do. Something, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you're there. You know, half the gun stores are people that you know they've done gun business one way, and mm-hmm. you know, frankly, like you're saying, they're fuds. You know, mm-hmm. they. You know, uh, if it doesn't start with a four, or you know, it ain't it ain't can't, can't kill anybody. That kind of person, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> and and those type of people are not always up for change. If you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Gun people, gun people are gun people uh-huh. are hard headed, man. I mean, they are. Yeah. But you get people, you get the young, you get you get younger people in the industry. You get people that 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 realize that things can be done in a different way, and you see amazing things like the range in Austin mm-hmm. or uh, you, you know, different places where it just blows your mind. Yeah. Uh, I've seen guys in Vegas like. Like there's stores in Vegas, what what I've seen them do, they put military vehicles outside the store. 
So that's yep. how you could tell if you're driving by, you see a big tank sitting out mm-hmm. there, or uh, what is it, deuce and a quarter, or whatever, the, whatever those things are called. Walter would be really mad at me if I, because I don't know the names of stuff. But they put those <laughs> big military vehicles, and people's kids are like, oh, I want to I go see that. And then that, like, so that, that, that's how you know. If I'm driving around Vegas, and I see some kind of half track or something sitting outside, in a parking lot, I'm like, oh, there's a gun store right there. Let's write that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Yeah. Be inventive. Like, you know, push the – because you you're, you're it's just not going to work the same old way. You're going to have That's to right. do things. Like maybe um, you have a workshop or something where you are teaching people how to build their own AR-15. You know, my barber that actually like right downstairs from where I'm – from where the studio is right now, my barber is right downstairs, and he sometimes he does classes on how to cut hair. <laughs> yeah. Every this is every business has to do this today. If you're brick and mortar, yep. you cannot survive the old ways that they did in 1980. Yeah, you have to go to the customers and create a community outreach. Yeah, kind of on this topic. So something that I did with my local guy this past week, I was piggybacking on the whole yeet cannon thing. <laughs> we made together. I literally said, the next person that buys a gun from my gun shop, Heavy Metal, I'm going to personally give them my high point. Oh, really? So, first thing in the morning, phone rang, somebody bought a gun, and they won my free high point. Okay. We're about to ship it out. So, yeah, just like you're saying, there's all kind of stuff you can do. So, oh, what's yeah. what's going to be on this high point? Is it going to say hootie who? Is it going to say well, heat cannon? It already says Yeet Cannon. I did a custom paint job on it, but uh, okay, to sign it and all that stuff. All right. But what did you paint this thing with? I'll, I'll send you the link. But <laughs> I had I had got some um, rubber paint to paint up the tires on my truck to, for. I use my trucks as promotion and all that too. Uh huh. Use some of that paint I had laying around and painted it on the slide. Okay, he's an artist. He's an old folksy type artist. Who do you? <laughs> That's cool. So, uh, so someone won that, right? Yeah. Next day. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. You cannons are going out. You cannons. Pretty good. <laughs> so you're getting a yeet cannon before they even come out. By the way, if anyone wants to know, I, I think I saw that pretty much yeet cannon is gonna win. Oh, yeah, by far. Yeah, it's yeah. going to win. And then I think what they're going to do is um, they're going to call it the YC-9, but they're going to put out special editions that actually have Yeet Cannon engraved in it. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming those are going to be all sold out <laughs> before it goes out there. So, yeah, but that's that, what's going that, on. The Yeet Cannon is a perfect example of what you're talking about, what mm-hmm. company's going to have to do to stay relevant. Yeah. to do fun stuff you know yeah i mean it sounds so goofy to most of the gun people out there but to a certain portion of the population that's freaking instagram gold yeah you know i mean oh yeah absolutely how many people are talking about freaking yeet cannons over the last week now yes i'm getting kind of <laughs> sick of it <laughs> it's getting kind of crazy right <laughs> <laughs> i mean hk was even getting in there on that yeah hk was what? in on it a bunch of different companies now are going to be putting out yeet cannons oh my gosh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And what it actually means, like I was talking about, I've got an 18-year-old, and he said it means throwaway. Yeah, like a that's throwaway. My, I, 
If yeah. you can believe it, I have a 17-year-old, and that's oh. what she said. <laughs> yeah, how do the kids know about this crap? I don't know. They're not even in the same state. I'm like, I never I heard know. of yeet. I've never anything. heard of it. She, I said it, and I was like, what's a yeet? And she's like, oh, like like throwing something. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you get you got to look out for these kids, man. That's something that came from the video games, you know? They're all playing oh, the video games and talking to each other and plotting against their parents. Yeah. Hey, man. What yeah. is it? Fortnite's a billion dollar video game. I'm telling you, you it's crazy. Yeah. They have some kind of secret code. It's like when these words go through, then we all take over from our parents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find out what that is. We we're gonna be in big trouble. Yeah, that's so that I don't know, man. You you guys aren't getting up on the Yeet Cannon thing though. I know you said that you um, that that Bond was one of the first companies you guys did the whole naming thing. Yeah, but you run into you run into problems, and I think High Point was kind of waffling there for a little bit of actually going with Yeet Cannon. I think for a little bit there, they were like, yeah, you know, they put out a couple lists that didn't have it on there, and I think companies that's the problem. You know, you put in you put up sort for like you know put out something like that, and you end up with uh, what's that ship they called? Uh, yeah, Bodie McBoatface. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You know, you end up with something like that, and you know, you're not going to be you happy. Stick, yeah, right. If you don't stick with it as a company, though, you're getting all kinds of different kinds of backlash. Yeah, you know. Yeah, if you tell people that they get to choose what the name is, guess what? They get to choose what the name. Look, is. I think I think we need an eight-inch barrel Bond Derringer called the Fudinator. Oh, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Eighteen inches, jeez. Okay. Uh, Crackbot oh, gave us a couple of bucks. He says. Um, Need to have a suppressor called Yeet Discreet. Yeet Discreet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, discreet Yeet. <laughs> yeah. Let's switch. Let's talk about uh, guns here a little bit. Um, you know, how about sh- can you show us some gun, um, some some bond arm stuff that uh, that you've got over there? I know that as we were talking about the uh, the rough and ready and the roughneck and stuff like that's a new thing that's come out. I have put up videos of this. Um, I know YouTube's con- come down on some of them, so you pr- you might have to find those on GunStreamer because of what's going on. But what's the concept behind the rough and readies? All right, so if you can see, um, you machining marks, you can see the casting lines. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this is all the same materials, all the same stainless steel as in the normal Derringer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can build four of these in the time it takes us to build one of the polished guns. Okay. So you can kind of see here, you can see that polished finish on that. I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot of time and, and energy that goes into making that versus basically taking a sandblaster and just blasting off the rough edges. Okay. Um, and so we're able to get to a price point of 300 bucks with that gun. Um, versus a MSRP of 530 for the other gun for the exact same construction, same materials, um, but basically just the finish is different. And so it just opened up a whole price point for us, uh, 299 for the 45410 and 279 for the 38357 model that you got there, the Roughneck. Okay, very cool. Uh, it's Eric Smith gave us a couple of bucks. He says, uh, yeet. That's his comment. Yeet. Okay, you got your comment out there. So, and then these these change um, just so that just for the people who are curious, if you have bond arm stuff, you know that the barrels could be very easily changed. You know, you can you I mean, obviously, you open it up like that. You put put the rounds in, but um, right here, you can remove this and change out your barrel. So all of that applies to this, right? It's exactly the same. You could put a polished barrel on that and vice versa. We're going to have another line of barrels out, the Rough Series line of barrels that are going to be a lesser cost as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, everything else is the same. Uh, we kind of give it a little slight polish on the sides of the flats on there. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Right. But then everything else is, is bead blasted. So why did you uh, yeah. why did you do that uh, slight polish on the sides there? What was the uh, 
looks. Oh, just looks. Okay, so there just are going to be. There's going to be some that the complete barrel's going to be. Uh, no, they're they're all going to be that slight polish on the side. Oh, okay, okay. Just to give it a little bit of a two tone look and to make it right. not quite so rough looking. What if yeah. the people want that, Garrett? What if the people want the whole barrel to be like you know roughed out a little bit? Um, you can order a barrel. Um, fully bead blasted if you want oh you can okay yep. all right yep. cool yep. cool yep and then um and so any except like any uh grips and things like that that you guys are going to come with a come with the rubber grips but you're going to be able to swap out any accessory that we make will fit onto that gun as well okay can you alternate between the guns that already exist can you change your barrels or no Absolutely. You can. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. No problem. That's the kind of stuff I think. I think people have questions. If you guys out there have questions, this might be a good time to uh, throw those questions uh, up there right now. Um, now, one of the things I really like is the uh, Bullpup 9. You know, I'm a real fan of this. I've got a video of this up. If you guys have not seen it, check it out. It's actually with me and Guns and Gear and oh. uh, Walter shooting it. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So now... Do you want to give us a little bit of the history of this? Because you guys aren't the first people to actually attempt this, right? Someone else invented this. Yeah, so um, the, the guy that invented it is a guy named Arnie Boberg. Um, he was an engineer for 3M um, in their White Bear Lake facility up in Minnesota. Um, and he's one of those super geniuses that, like, he had to have five people following him around with Post-it notes to be able to write down the things that he says because he'd forget it at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. But um, the design that he came up with, the reverse feed uh, bullpup design, is is something that is basically anything new today isn't really new it's just new in a different way mm -hmm. um so if you look at what the this gun is um it's built up of a lot of really kind of ingenious principles um the feed mechanism was done on the mars pistol in the early 20th century um that it was actually the most powerful handgun until the 357 magnum powerful handgun in the world for about 20 years mm -hmm. and the bullet was pulled straight back lifted up and fed in um, it wasn't a bullpup design, but it still had that reverse feed. Uh, the thing that really sets the Boberg apart, um, the design itself, is the combination of the reverse feed with, if you look at the barrel, the rotating locking lugs. Mm. Um, and those lugs act just like a, the bolt of an AR-15. And they rotate 14 degrees and lock into uh, uh, cutouts in, in the slide. The, that basically allows the gun to have a complete mechanical lockup. That's something that doesn't happen in a brown and tilt barrel design. So anything basically on the market today, whether it be a Glock or a 1911 or an M&P or an XDS or whatever, they all basically use, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the striker-fired guns, an oversized breech block that fits up into the ejection port. And it kind of holds the slide from coming back just long enough for it to drop out of the way and the slide to come back well in this pistol you actually have a, basically a bolt action pistol uh, the barrel is the bolt the bolt rotates and locks into the slide and that controls um, a lot of different facts of the gun so if you'll notice on anything that uses a brown and tilt barrel design it has a very heavy recoil spring right mm -hmm. extremely you know heavy to rack and the smaller the gun gets the heavier the recoil spring gets and the reason why is because the slide physically weighs less. I and mean, if you're trying to harness the power of a fairly potent cartridge, 9mm being, you know, a lot of people don't consider it being very potent. It's a high chamber pressure. It's a, mm -hmm. very, it's a very potent cartridge. And when you get into a really small gun, if the slide speed is moving so fast in a Browning tilt barrel design, the only way to reduce the speed is to add a much heavier spring. And so that's why you get these tiny little guns that a large portion of the population can't operate the slide. 
So one of Arnie's ingenious byproducts of the fact that it's a lock breech design is that the recoil spring in it, this little thing, is not a recoil spring. It's a slide return spring. Hmm. And so I, I can actually put this gun together without the spring, and I actually do this on demos. And the gun, right now there's no spring in it, but when I push it forward, you just saw it mm-hmm. jump forward. Mm-hmm. That's because the gun wants to be locked. And I can actually shoot this gun, and the slide will come back, and then I just flip my wrist forward, and that'll chamber the next round. Okay, so it could be it could be a bolt action. <laughs> it could be essentially a bolt action pistol. Wow. It does not require the spring at all for it to stay locked and for it to operate, mm-hmm. at least in a single-shot mode. Yeah. So... What that does for you is make for a gun that has a longer lock time than mm-hmm. any other pistol on the market. So what that means is that when you shoot this gun, the barrel's 20 yards downrange before the slide comes all the way back. So that means that the recoil profile, the difference between the, sl- the round going off and the slide snapping to the rear of the frame is spread over a much longer period of time, which makes for a softer shooting gun. It also means that you can shoot at 15 yards a one-inch group mm-hmm. because it's basically a bolt-action pistol, because it's fully locked. There is little to no wiggle room at all in that in that barrel, like a precision fit, custom fit, 1911. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more on the sur- uh, you know, a lot more going on with this gun than what's on the surface. At first, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's $1,100 pistol that is a nine millimeter, and why Glock 43 won't do the same thing? Well, you know, it's got a 3.35 inch barrel, which is the same as a Glock in a gun that's only five inches long. Mm-hmm. And in the realm of a pocket pistol, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if anyone has any questions about the design and how it works and operates, yeah. now's a good time. Yeah, a- time absolutely. Let us know the questions. Um, let me get a comment, and then I have a question that I'll get into. Crackbot gave us a couple of bucks. He says, are you going to make the Fudinator? I'm going to throw that up. Are you going to make the Fudinator, Garrett? Yeah, I, you might. You might have started something. I, I might have started something. We'll have to talk to Gordon about it. He's up. He's up. For, he's up to try anything once. Let's yeah. put it that way. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Gordon knew you were going to announce the Fudinator. <laughs> Probably not on the show. So, yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, if there's questions right now, throw it up there again because I know there's a whole bunch of things going through. My question that I would ask. Okay. So you guys weren't the um, original designers of this, uh, and the uh, the Boberg one was kind of like notorious for problems. Um, um, uh, I never had one, but this is what I heard. I actually would like to have one just for like collecting purposes. But I think you guys had to do some improvements, right? From that so to this. The, the way to look at the Boberg is it was invented by a man with little to no actual production background um, and almost no true firearms, actual firearms experience. So when he brought out this really a truly genius design, mm-hmm. um, he decided to basically beta test it on the gun community mm-hmm. um and for a small company i can kind of understand where he's coming at because he didn't have the money to be able to do these large-scale tests and run a uh, hundred thousand rounds to this so he's like oh, well i'll make the gun i know the design's good we'll send it out to people so it was a little bit of trial and error for the first two years and through those first two years yes he got a very bad reputation um because basically the gun's had to go through several variations. Um, I think he ended up going through 12 variations in three years to be able to come to the final variation. And all those variations are actually out there in people's hands? Yep. Absolutely, okay. and and so what they what they would do is when they discovered something that they could they would change they would send the gun back in hmm. and send it back to them with the fixes. Okay. Um, so 
most of those variations are things you won't even see on the surface. They're minor things like changes of angles and ejection ports. I mean, just all kinds of different stuff. Um, and so when we got the gun, he had actually gone through all of this and really it was pretty dang good. We didn't have many issues. Mm -hmm. The main thing that we fixed was he, he really believed in this idea of using an anti-seize grease on these moving parts. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason why is because the parts that we're talking about move in kind of like a motion like this. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you have that type of rolling motion on stainless steel, it can create galling. And most of this was because of testing that he had done on um, some rotating barrel pistols from the 60s and 70s. The issue is, is 60s and 70s stainless steel is not at all what modern yeah. 416R yeah. stainless steel is today. Right. And so we could use a really basic surface coating. In fact, right now, we're using a surface coating from Anderson Manufacturing, which is a really, really basic uh, um, uh, permanent surface lubricant. Um, but we have done lots of testing with NP3 and everything uh, else that you would consider for coating the barrel. And that right there, the, the, even that basic coating removes the need to use any type of anti-seize grease on the gun. Um, ne needing to use the anti-seize grease meant that after 150 rounds, all of that grease migrated to everywhere else in that little pistol. And you would have to essentially clean the gun um, before you could continue using it. I've shot over 700 rounds at a time without cleaning the gun now, without using the anti-seize grease. Okay. I have pistols that have over 8,000 rounds through them. Um, the gun is really, really an amazing, very engine. I mean, I, I, I've never found a gun that small that works that reliably. Yeah. Um, so it, I know there's some people asking, um, I saw Vanessa Kitty was asking, this is the bullpup nine, right? That's what you guys yes. call it. It's the bullpup nine from bond arms. What the, the original one was called the Boberg or the Boberg nine. XR9S. XR9S. Okay, so that's the original guns. <laughs> um, I don't know if you really want to get your if you want to if you're into collecting, maybe it's a cool thing um, to collect. But if you want to get one that works, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I would say get the uh, the the Bond a, Arms Bullpup Nine. Get a Bond. Um, yeah. We are supporting people that have Bobergs. I mean, if there's something wrong with it, we'll do our mm -hmm. our darndest to get it working. But if it's oh, something you are. where it's okay. oh yeah yeah, but if it's something where you know, the entire frame is uh, like first generation, something that we can't, we can't fix, you know, Hey, we'll make you, we'll try and make you a good deal on a, on a new bond arms. You okay. Know? All right. That's cool. Yep. Did you have yep. any questions? Hootie who? No, like I said, I've never even pulled in my hand, but I'll have to yeah. pick up one of those times. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a crazy gun. It really is. Yeah. You're going to have to get your hands on, uh, hold on. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. You're going to have to get your hands on one of those, man. Um, let's see here. I've got a couple of things that I need to, uh, SoCal Gunner says, uh, he gave us five bucks. He says single shot. That makes it Cali legal. Cali market is huge. So can you actually do that though? I know you were showing that as a demo thing. But uh, I guess it's possible if you could, you know, I guess it is feasibly possible if you could do a version that, like a you Cali know, basically version. a Cali version that wasn't semi-automatic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely theoretical possible. Um, uh, Cali, though, you still would have to jump through all the hoops of getting it tested in Cali, I'm assuming. Yeah, and right yeah. now, I mean, we've actually pulled all of our guns out of Cali, even though yeah. we have California legal mm -hmm. Derringer. Um, okay. Because of the prop, I believe it's prop sixty-five, prop sixty-four, the one that you had to put the can the cancer warnings on everything. It oh, was kind of the, yeah. it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> so for us. So stupid, yeah. It, well, and we as a company, we truly believe that the best thing that the gun industry could do is to pull, is to stop selling in California and mm -hmm. and say that all of the laws are too onerous because then it would give a case for the 
for the, that they're infringing upon the Second Amendment. Because yeah. right now they can look at the list and they can say, oh, you know, because they have a list of what guns you can sell in California. And there's I think there's over a thousand on the list. But in reality, it's like 15 guns. It's like mm-hmm. 15 or 20 guns and different variations of each gun. Yeah. Um, Ruger sells almost no. I think they sell no handguns in California. Uh, I mean, Glock is is basically law enforcement only. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if everyone basically just pulled out of California and said no, that would give you know people more of a stance to be able to say, hey, our second right, our actual Second Amendment rights are being infringed. We can't even buy a gun. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Now that cancer thing, I think, is for anything that's sold in California. Anything. Right? That's not just anything. for guns. Not just guns. Yeah. Anything. Anything yeah. sold in California has to have that uh, cancer cars. I think all, everything has to have that nonsense on it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You sell a sack of potatoes, could cause cancer. Yep. You know, they, I don't know if they label the sun because that's the most cancer <laughs> causing thing. <laughs> like, no sun. Sun is banned in California. That's over the top. I love California, but it yeah. is a crazy place. Yeah. We got a couple of questions here. Let me see if I can get to those. Uh, Billy Phoenix says, any chance of y'all making a 357 cop? The the idea has been proposed several okay. times. Um, there is a possibility of something similar to a cop, but I'm not going to go into more specifics. Okay. All right. Cool. I, Good I, there's a possibility Good of something with four barrels. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yep. And uh, Rick C wants to know if you guys um, have any plans on doing a double stack bullpup version. That would require a complete redesign of the gun. Um, mm-hmm. So right now, no, no immediate plans. Before we do anything like that, we would uh, come out with a 45 ACP version of the gun, um, which we do have the rights to that design. Okay, uh, it's cool. the smallest semi-automatic okay. 45 in the world. Yeah. Um, and we still have the uh, uh, suppressor on the table that we're working at, working on that we're hoping to have out by SHOT Show. Okay. Um, but the we are working on an extended magazine. Um, and yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, so we got six. Right. It's seven, actually, in that. Seven, okay. A, yep, so that's one more than a Glock 43 in a mm-hmm. shorter magazine. Um, but what we're working on is a plus three. So it give you 10 plus one, which we're yeah. trying to give the 365 a run for its money. Yeah, I think that would be good. You know, even if it has just like a backup... Uh Backup in the pocket or something like that. It's a good. Yep. It's a good pocket pistol, just because well, it's got that long like, trigger pull and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, and a lot of people it. don't realize that a double action trigger pull. I mean, I mean, honestly, that is the best thing for something that you have to absolutely rely on. You know, if if it's your last ditch, if the gun has to work. A double action is the most reliable firearm design for a handgun out mm-hmm. there. Um, it gives you the second strike capability. And honestly, people don't even like to think about this, but if you're in an extremely stressful situation, you know, unless you're a tier one operator and you can sit there and shoot the reset on your clock perfectly, or you're shooting a 1911, which removes the need to shoot the reset a certain amount, you're squeezing and yanking on that trigger when you need it. Mm-hmm. And when you're squeezing and yanking on a trigger, a double action trigger design is more suited to being accurate in that time of stress, Yeah, which is why a double action trigger has been the design for most police officers for the last 100 years. Mm-hmm. When I when I do videos of uh, any Derringers, not just Bond Arms, right, the big thing I get from a lot of people, like, oh, what am I going to do with two two rounds, which it, to me is a little bit crazy. Because it's not to say this is the only thing that you have. Now, maybe it is, right? Maybe you're on your property, you go out there, it's like, you know, it's good to have uh, like a snake shot or something like that. Maybe it is the only thing. Well, two rounds are going to be better than no, no round, zero rounds. 
That's right? right. But people always There's say, a tool for every situation. Right. But people always say two rounds, not enough. And I think that that's kind of like, is that the reason why you guys wanted to go into something that was a little bit more? You're trying to like, you know, branch out and go into to other things here other than the Derringers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know the Derringer is limited in in its in its specific you know use case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will rely on it as a mainline carry gun. Some people will relegate it to something nostalgic and something fun to shoot. Um, but the bullpup is something completely different. The bullpup is something serious, um, and it's something that is seriously accurate, it's seriously reliable, um, and is perfectly suited to. Um, uh, you know, the kind of carry that we're, most people are going to today. They want something small and tiny, and they don't want to have to worry that they have it on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bullpup allows you to have a gun that fits in your pocket that you can feel confident making headshots at 25 yards with. And that's yeah. no BS. Yeah. And, um, and not every not, not every gun guy is the that. same. Not every gun guy right. is the same. I think that's another thing people need to consider here when we're talking about all this. Um, okay, so you, I think you said you guys were doing a th- uh, 45, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, you, any thoughts about like 380? Anything? The hope is we want to be able to do a drop-in 380 barrel on okay. the bullpup nine. Okay. Um, because of the magazine, you're not so worried about the overall length of the cartridge. You could basically make a 380 magazine with a block in the front, um, and then do a 380 chambered nine millimeter barrel, and you could do a drop-in uh, 380. What we're already doing um, that we're working on is a drop-in 22 TCM 9R. Okay. If you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the neck down <laughs> nine millimeter 22. And yeah. it's a blast to shoot out of that little gun. There's no recoil <laughs> in it. And it's just a huge fireball. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. actually, it's really cool. I know a bunch of people right now are like, wait, when is that coming out? <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. And that's something, get this with that. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is change the barrel. Okay. No magazine. No nothing. It's just a barrel. Wow. And it just drops straight in and out. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. So I know a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, because you're not relying on a feed ramp, because mm-hmm. you're not relying on the round to make it forward out of the magazine, we can do a lot of different stuff. You could theoretically do a wad cutter 9mm. Hmm. Did you ever shoot any 22 TCM, Adam? No, the only oh. one that people tell me about them all the time that Rock Island makes one, but yeah. I've never yeah. shot one of those either. Yeah, and then I know there's people that some people are doing ARs, like building an AR out of it. It's not super easy. I think it's tough to get the barrels and stuff. That's why I, I haven't been able to build one yet before anyone starts asking me. I would love to build one. I got to figure out how to get everything together. <laughs> you know, then I would do one. But it's kind of cool. There's uh, there's some potential there, I think. You know? Um, it does does uh, Bond make more than just that semi-automatic? I swear at the NRA show... There were people looking at more than one design in semi-auto, but I may be confused. We have a long slide coming out, so the, it's, a, it's about one inch, full one inch longer than that gun. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So then we also have uh, a suppressor coming out with it that functions with the long slide barrel. Um, so that might have been what you were looking at, but no other semi-autos right now. Yeah, the slimline is really cool. You don't have one of the slimlines, do you? I don't have one with uh, me. Oh, right yeah, now. you guys have to see that. Um, I think... Uh, didn't I, I put up some video on Instagram, I think. I thought I, no, actually, I'm trying to remember where I put it. I know I've posted stuff on the Slim one because I think you did, you did a, we did something, didn't we, Garrett? Yeah, we uh, did a little, I think, NRA show. Yeah, yeah. we did a little splurge yeah. on it. Yep. Yeah, you guys have to take a look at that. It's actually really cool. I mean, way thinner than these. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's thickest point is 0.55. Yeah, it's like it's a cell that. phone or something. It's called, yeah, you know, not, not that much thicker than a cell phone. Very thin, going to be a nine millimeter or thirty-eight, three fifty-seven. We're looking at about twelve ounces right now. Oh, 
Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. light. And, and that's uh, coming out when? What's the uh, timeline uh, on that? Uh, October. October. Okay. And you're looking at just under 350. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yep. And what caliber is the price point? You do uh, nine, nine millimeter, and the gun will take the 357, mm-hmm. but we're trying to decide whether we want to do 38 only. I mean, the 357 out of that gun is not as bad as what you think, mm-hmm. um, but they're still just it, it's a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? How would 22 um, Magnum be on that? And that probably be even thinner, right? Yep. Uh, well, we're gonna do. I think. I think we're working on a aluminum barrel with a steel sleeve for that. Oh. And so you're talking about like a nine ounce gun, or less, <laughs> in a yes. two shot twenty two mag. Yeah. So yes, that's the next thing after the nine and thirty eight <laughs> is a twenty two. You're gonna mag forget stuff. you have that. You're gonna forget. Oh yeah, it's yeah. tiny. <laughs> uh, Walter tiny. was telling me when he came back. So uh, Walter Keller from Safety Harbor Firearms. I don't know if I don't know if you met him or not, but. He, uh, he went to England for D-Day, and he didn't get a chance to tell this story, but he said he was coming back, coming back from England, and he had, you know those, um, there's these little credit card knives that you can yeah. have? He had one of those in his wallet, so he had that when he went there. And he had it coming back, and that's when they found it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, but they, they let him go. I mean, they were like, okay, we're keeping this. <laughs> but they let him go. So, yeah, you're going to have to be, you know. That's good, though. I like that kind of stuff, man. That's like a nice little backup thing that you could have. It doesn't really weigh, weigh you. That's one thing I have, like my pockets being weighed down, you know, or looking yep, really bulky. Yeah, yep. yeah. So uh, let me see. I've got a bunch of questions here. Adam, jump in if you want to. Uh, let's, Question I had about yeah. Bond. Mm-hmm. So I represent the cheapskates. So could <laughs> I buy the, the unfinished barrel and then spend 20 hours polishing it myself? Yeah, yeah, you could absolutely. You do that too, it's right? the same steel. Yeah. Mm. Good question. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's just go ahead. Sleeping a couple nights and just. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck bored. yeah. You know, you could do your own um, scroll work. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen those? Uh, the, what's there's a company that's doing high polish. You send them a gun and they do a high polish finish on it. Have mm-hmm. you seen that company? Mm-hmm. I think it's called USA Finishes or something like that. Okay. You look at it on Instagram. They've done some of our guns. I mean, you look at you look at the gun and you obviously has a white light. Really? Like that's how polished it is. I mean, we're talking and, and they'll they'll do anything. You send them something. I mean, it's 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 it looks like a complete mirror. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna have to check into that. Uh, what Ooh. did you say it was called? I'll have to look it up. Yeah. I think it's. Let me know. I think what it's USA it is. High Polish Finishes. Yeah, I'll look it up here. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Let's. Uh, uh, Rick C says any. Uh, no, we already. I already asked that one. Vanessa Kitty says, "What about a pocket minigun?" Okay, Vanessa Kitty. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, Brian Quick wants to know what makes the Bond Arms bullpup pistols different from the Beretta PX Storm. So. Yep, Beretta PX4 Storm has two locking lugs, um, and they don't have. And, and the way it locks up is a, is, is a little bit different. Um, the, the way our locking lugs, you actually have two locking lugs that are physically locking into the slide itself. Um, and the Beretta has one vertical one that locks into the slide, and then you have one vertical one going down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a – the PX4 Storm is still a more accurate gun than a uh, – a comparable tilt barrel pistol um and the difference with the bullpup is that you have a combination of that rotating barrel with the reverse feed mechanism mm-hmm. that's what really sets it apart um from other rotating barrel pistols okay uh, but 
but I don't know if y'all know, you know, Glock actually came out with the Glock 46. Have y'all heard about this? Mm-hmm. So, so it's the rotating barrel yeah. Glock pistol. Yeah. So the that's the, it's the not, sac- that wasn't available here though, right? It's not available yeah. here mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting story. Um, the Saxony uh, German Police Department mm-hmm. um, put out a, a spec, and it's pretty amazing. Glock has never had a German police contract in the entire history of them being Glock. They've never had a contract for a single German police department, and that's kind of like. You know, wow. the whole the holy grail yeah. of a lot of gun companies. It's always been SIG or HK. Mm-hmm. And so this was one of their first chances to be able to do it. Um, and one of the requirements was that these pistols had to be able to run through 125,000 rounds of basically submachine gun level pressure plus P ammo. So Glock redesigned the gun, in the, hence the Glock 46, um, and it's a rotating barrel Glock. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, uh, if you go look at an exploded view of it, the barrel looks like a freaking Boberg barrel. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's just a better, pla- it's a uh, more stable or robust platform, right? More robust platform, which right. Glock is perfection, though. Almost. I thought it was all figured out, guys. <laughs> no. No, no, there's better designs. That there's things that work better than a Glock. I think Wait, so. But, there may be. Okay, okay, maybe. Okay, I guess it's not a Hudson. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> now let me tell you, man. I would not mind having a Hudson in the collection. I missed the opportunity when they were, remember they were selling for like five hundred bucks at one point, but that was they all sold you can out. Still, you can still find them now for like six hundred bucks. Oh, okay, yeah. Still find yeah. them. Yeah. I would put one in my collection. If you look hard enough. Yeah. I would too. The gun is a good is is a really good. That's just a company that they wanted to run before they could walk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when I first met Cy and and Lauren, they're great people. But mm-hmm. you know, we're asking them about production. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to build ten thousand of these first batch," and we're like, "We we don't. There's no. We, we you don't know. You don't know if it works." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And that's that's you can't what you can't sell that just off of marketing. You know. No. I mean, um, well, they did. Well, they did. But then the guns that they sold didn't work. Right. And and then they the fix that the, the the fix was too expensive to fix all the guns that they had already made a contracted for. Mm-hmm. It was just a bad situation. Yeah. But you know, it's it's it, a tough it, deal. It's a tough deal. I mean, like a lot of people say, they could have saved some of the money on the price of that by getting cheaper boxes. You know, the boxes are badass. I've never. I'm sure. You awesome. know what? Yeah, I think the only people I've seen that have boxes like that is Cabot Guns, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know it's so. a sad thing. It's very hard. Gun people are the most cutthroat people in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want the coolest, newest thing, but as soon as someone comes Cheap. out with it, it's a it's yeah. a piece of crap, right? Yeah. Or it's or, or it's too it, expensive, or it's or something, right? Yeah. Too complicated, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it makes people not want to innovate. Yeah. That's why HK was one of the most innovative companies in the world in the 70s and 80s. They had the P7M8. Uh, they have gas piston designs, roller blocking, whatever. That's why in the early 90s. They just bowed down to John Browning. No, I, absolutely no, no, nothing wrong with doing that. Um, but they came out with the USP, and now what do they make? They make ARs, and they make Browning-style tilt-barrel pistols. Mm-hmm. There's nothing innovative about it. They work great, but there's nothing innovative about it. Um, yeah. And that's where we're at today in the world, and that's why I like working for Bond, because you can talk as much smack as you want about a two-barrel pistol. Um, we're doing well with it, mm-hmm. and we're trying to come out and come out with new and innovative things. Yeah, some of the you know? some of the reasons that like HK, I mean, because we talk about HK a lot in terms of they don't like the commercial market, they don't like the civilian market and stuff like that. But one of the reasons is that right, because the civilian market is finicky. It is. So you know, you can make this. And, and, they got everyone's gonna like even Glock. Everyone's gonna say, "I want the Glock." I personally want the Glock carbine, and then when they put it out, people are like, "No, I don't want it." 
No, I don't want it. That's, yeah. that's right. It's yeah. finicky, and like I said, they're cutthroat, mm-hmm. and people, they want it for the cheapest price possible. I mean, I don't think people realize what the margins are like for most of these dealers that they're buying their guns for. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think if they really knew, they'd be asking, how is that person still in business? Mm-hmm. You know, because there's so many tariffs and so many things that has to be paid. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost of business is extremely high for gun gun people in this world. I yeah. mean, it's really pretty nuts these it days. It is. It is. Absolutely. Um, okay. So Duro Sig 556R says off of the Boberg with a four-inch barrel. Um, coming. Coming. Okay. And uh, Len Holt says, tell us about uh, the multiple barrel lengths. Uh, is is it first related to caliber because it looks cool? So the barrel lengths, there's not really a rhyme or reason um, to most of the calibers and what what calibers are available in each barrel length. Um, we have a two and a half, a three inch, a three and a half, a four and a quarter, and a six inch. Mm-hmm. Um, the three inch barrel, you can have any caliber you want in. But in the other barrels, you're going to have to look at the website and look at the handbook, and there's going to be a half a dozen calibers available in one and a half a dozen another. And basically, that's off of what people are ordering from us and and what people seem to want. And if people aren't ordering, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, we don't do a four and a quarter inch twenty two, and we don't do a three and a half inch twenty two. Yeah, that has to do with the difficulty of making the twenty two. We'd have to charge more for the barrel on the twenty two than we think would be worth it to the customer. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of different small things like that. Okay. Um, but like I said, there's five different barrel lengths, um, all the way up to a six inch. Okay. Uh, uh, I am Gary K says, uh, came in late, but I want to say, I love my bond arms, big bear. So shout out to that one. Got uh, one of the last California guns out there. That <laughs> he's got a big bear. No more, man. I'm sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, dube tube 71 says got long slide bond arms, uh, five to six inch barrel future versions. Uh, accuracy would be amazing. And 10 millimeter, please, which I see a lot of people calling for 10 millimeter. Uh, where are you guys at on that? The, the whole 10 it's millimeter. something that I've, it's something that I've talked about before because I, I really think that, uh, the 10 millimeter would be a, a, a more practical, make more sense gun than the 45. Um, the, the 45 design theoretically takes, takes will handle the chamber pressures of a 10 millimeter. Um, and so my hope is, and this is all just pie in the sky, is a single stack XR, you know, XR 10 millimeter style Bober rotating barrel um, reverse feed gun. And I think it would be absolutely amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely agree, and it's definitely something that is a is a possibility. I okay. would say. Uh, yep. Vanessa Kitty says she just opened up the Bond Arms webpage. Um, I'm a little I'm a little behind here on the chat, so um, I don't know. What would you would you what Let's would you talk about the 10 millimeter real quick? Yeah, go ahead, go yeah. ahead, man. Hit it up, hit it up. So everybody wants when they come over to my house, they want to shoot the 10 millimeter 1911. <laughs> But you know what? Nobody wants to pay for 10 millimeter ammo. Yeah. That's right. That's that's, that's yeah. one of my favorite pistols too. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I rarely shoot it because I'd rather go buy a bucket of 45 than buy one box or two boxes of mm-hmm. 10 millimeter. Yep, that's yep. the thing. That's but yep. everyone asks for. Oh, everything's got to be 10 millimeter. Well, you know, we got to hope that more and more people buy 10 millimeters so that the ammo companies will actually start producing 10 millimeter at a level where the price yeah. makes sense. And the reason why 10 millimeter is so expensive is because of the low volume that they produce it in. Yeah. Um, another thing that people don't really realize about 10 millimeters, if you go buy American Eagle 10 millimeter auto off the shelf or something like that, it's not loaded to the same chamber pressure as an actual 10 millimeter. It's loaded at 40 Smith and Wesson velocities. Hmm. Um, you almost have to reload or buy things like uh, 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 
a double tap or a Corbon or something like that to actually get the millimeters actually capable of. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just looking to see. Uh, I think Fort, Fort Scott's got 10 millimeter, but I don't have any here. That's the guys I get my, my ammo from for anyone who, you know. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Hank 10 gets you 10% off at Fort Scott. So even when they have deals and stuff like that going on, they do have 10 millimeter. I was going to look at the box and see how that's loaded. The Adventure Cowboy is there. He says, uh, hey, guys, better uh, late than never. I don't know if you know the Adventure Cowboy, Garrett. No, I do not. Yeah, he's a uh, – because uh, you're, you're into the cowboy um, action stuff, and he's a cowboy. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I've yeah. been a cowboy shooter since yeah, I was 16 years old. He does a lot of Cimarron yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were. Well, you were. You said you were with Cimarron, right? At some point, okay. I worked. I worked with Cimarron from yeah, from like 2008 to 2011. Oh, okay, yeah, he does a lot of stuff with uh, Clayton. That's his name, Clayton. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any other questions in here that I'm missing. Yes, and Kitty kept talking about 4570. I'm a big 4570 fan, but I don't think you're going to put that in a mm-hmm. in a box. There's a there's a company that did put one in a Derringer, uh, a company oh. called American Derringer out of Waco. Mm-hmm. Um, and they called it Alaskan Survival, and it was a 4570 in the bottom barrel and a 45 Colt in the top barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when you shot the 4570 in the bottom barrel, it would literally rip the webbing of your hand up, and you were bleeding at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. The thing that's crazy though is I, we're working on 44 mag Derringer right now, mm-hmm. and the well, velocity, the velocities, and the chamber pressures you get out of the 44 mag is superior in a six inch barrel to the 4570 just because the 44 mag is optimized for that shorter barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I got to say, I kind of made a little mistake. Um, it, 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 I, I was thinking the six inch barrel was going to be the best idea for the 44 mag. But the problem is when we came out the 44 mag six inch barrel, it develops so much chamber pressure. It's actually breaking our grips. Mm. And so if people are wondering why it's taking longer to, to come out with a 44 mag, we're having to redesign the entire grip mm-hmm. um, around the gun to be able to take those chamber pressures. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I also I also thought it would be a good idea to magnaport it, but all that does is put all the recoil right there mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of allowing it, it to roll. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to hurt. Uh, let's see. What do we have? Uh, okay, so uh, Len Holt says, what kind of treatment is on that rough finish? It's literally just stainless steel that's been deep blasted. Yeah. That's all it is. It's rough finish stainless steel. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And, uh, Armament and Axis says, uh, no, he's talking to someone else. Vanessa Kitty says Glock is best at what? Glock makes some good guns. I'm not going to hate on Glocks, man. I'm going to Glock on my hip. Yeah. Uh, that's a good gun. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But they're not, no, no one's perfect. We haven't, you know. It's combat Tupperware. It has no soul. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're moving forward all the time. We can, we can always improve guns. You can get more ammo capacity. <laughs> there's a lot well, of you things know, you could do. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons to buy a gun other than just the fact that it works and is reliable. Mm-hmm. If you just want a gun just to have a gun, there's a lot of good choices out there these days. Yeah, yeah. Walther, for example, is one of those companies that right now I am – extremely impressed with their innovation and they're going on a limb the q5 match oh yeah that that's that's a gun that people most gun companies were like why are you going to make that well you know what the the future of guns in a certain way is shooting sports Mm -hmm. and you're going to get people into guns and get people spending more money on guns 
how much money do people spend on kids soccer and football practice and that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. That's where you got to get with the guns. You got to get someone to where their lifestyle is based around firearms. And that's what that Q5 match is about. Mm -hmm. That's a gun that is like out of right field Mm -hmm. that the frame is completely machined out of a solid block of stainless steel. I mean, if anyone's ever picked up one of those, it's just like, holy it's crap. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't, you should just mess around with it. And I don't well, think they can Walters, keep them in stock either, by the way. Well, no. And then yeah. Walther's one of those companies that's innovating. We're talking about how you're going to do sales. Mm-hmm. Walther's got the buy it, you know, send a gun out, try yep. it. You don't like it, send it back to them. Yeah. I think we're, I, mean, I think the time on that one's running out for anyone who wants to do it. Uh, we actually had Cody from Walther Arms come on. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe one of these days I'm going to do like a, a thing, a panel and have a bunch of manufacturers on. I'll invite you back, man. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it. It, it's good to have this conversation, I think, because then the folks get to ask you guys questions, ask you why you do stuff a certain way or say, how come you don't do this? And, and you know, we, we get to have that. I think that would be that would be a good thing to do. Uh, yeah. Vanessa Kitty wants a Bond 357 revolver. Are you guys getting into the revolver game at all? <laughs> She's all she's um, all about the revolvers. So. Uh, I won't say no. Uh oh. All right. Well, there, there you go. But it, it probably won't be a three fifty seven. Oh, it's gonna be nine millimeter. Or yeah, it won't be ten millimeter. Not ten. No. <laughs> maybe one. Maybe one less than ten. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, it's some. Uh, it's something I would love to talk to y'all about, really. But you're. That's something in the next few months. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I am Gary K says at light. He wants me to tell you, uh, tell Garrett, not one of the last serial numbers zero 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 eight two. So I don't know what that means. Something about the I don't know what that serial number means. So for a bullpup, uh, what did he say? I don't know. He says tell Garrett not one of the last serial numbers. Maybe he says got one of the last. Oh, he's got saying he got list. one of the last. So he has serial number zero 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 eight two. Oh, that's cool. I don't know how many of you guys got into California before the embargo. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I think yeah. only about a uh, only about a thousand. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he got, cool. he got in early. One of the early ones. Yeah, he got yes, in he early did. then. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations, yes, man. There you yeah, go, buddy. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe there'll be a little window when California opens up again. <laughs> Who knows, man? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, we'll be shipping bonds. Yeah, twenty four hours a day for oh a week. Oh my gosh, man! California is so crazy. So I don't. I mean, now you've got to do a background check for ammo. Yep. Yep. Really? Yes. Yep. California, it's official now. It's got to be kept behind the counter. They've got to hand it to you. The whole, the whole deal. Yeah. So what? What about what? If, I mean. It, what kind of offenses is you just drive over the border and buy some ammo? Is that like a felony? I don't have a clue. I don't I, follow it. I don't know how they're going to deal with that, but they but they seem to feel like um, the uh, the governor, I think Newsom, he came out and said that uh, you know guns don't kill people, the bullets in the guns kill the people. So mm-hmm. he's kind of going in a good direction. It's true, the guns don't kill people, but the bullets don't either. <laughs> You know, so it's it, that's really crazy. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, uh, uh, Dube71 says the Bolberg slash Bond Arms bullpup is an amazing engineering design. Any barrel that is effectively fixed, example, Walther PPK, PPKS, is inherently, um, inherently accurate. There's yep. great potential in future models. Yeah, so I'd like to see. Did you make one of those full auto, by the way? 
That would be cool. Because <laughs> yeah. just invite me. I will drive out to Texas. <laughs> Done. <laughs> you know, and if you get two of them <laughs> that I could do, Will, it'll be, it'll be, yeah, it'll be awesome. Um, let's see. Uh, now, Vanessa, Vanessa Kitty is going through your website and just coming up with a wish list. She says, how about 44 Mag Bond? Coming. Um, yeah. Ronald Hot Boy says, nice stash. Do you always get, like, people either hate or love the stash, right? It's, I don't get many people that hate it. Yeah. There's always, someone's <laughs> always going to hate, you know. I mean, that's just, that's just how it's going to be. But, yes, nice stash. There you go. Um, Jafari Land says, do you need any special licensing to sell ammo? I wonder if California did. Do you have to? I believe you have to have an FFL. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. California, man. We it's need... a different world. Yeah. Uh, let's see uh, here. Uh, DubeTube71 says, Big Daddy Hoffman shot at 4570 Derringer, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you enjoy that? <laughs> yeah, I said, okay. <laughs> that probably was not fun. That probably was not fun. I'm just trying to go through and see if we got any other... Uh, so uh, I think Ronald Hotboy says, uh, love the Doc Holiday mustache. And uh, we got a bunch of things going on here. I don't know if you see anything that I need to talk about. Hootie Who. Hootie Who is out there. Um, yeah. Uh, I am Gary K says, is it illegal or, or, or a felony to bring the ammo in? So, and. Uh, it's probably a, a black market going on. It's probably going to happen, right? Because. You know, drive up to drive into uh, Nevada or something. I don't know about ammo, but I know guns. They you have to have it registered with the state of California within 30 days if you bring it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how they could control the ammo, though. I mean, yeah. There's not a serial number on each every box of ammo. You know no. what I mean? No. Uh, but don't or give mount. him ideas. Don't give him ideas. <laughs> and BWE Firearms and Parts says I got the licensing to make one full auto. Let's try it. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah, so we got all those going out there. So what what guns do you have, Hootie Who? Let's see what guns you brought to the show. Let's take a look at some of your stuff here. Well, yeah, I was telling you I was supposed to pick up a gun today, but I skipped that and came to hang out hang out with you guys. What that gun was, was it? What gun was it? What were you picking up? Here, I've kept it a secret, but I'll share it here. Uh, I ordered a Taurus Raging Bull Magnum. Oh. No, Raging Judge Magnum. Raging yeah. Judge Magnum. Okay. Judge, but you can shoot 454 Casul out of it. Uh huh. I'm picking that up tomorrow. Oh wow. And I bought a bunch of ammo for it. And then the other two, uh, I already sent a picture of this one to Clayton because he's all about that Heather Soli stuff and Cimarron stuff. This is a black powder 20 gauge I was showing you guys earlier. It's a double trigger. But it's black powder. I've got to figure out how to load yeah. it. I loaded up. Yeah, point that at the camera for a second. Let's see how that looks staring down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. Like, yeah. it has this little bar that comes out. Mm -hmm. and, but I loaded this with 50 grains and just shot a fireball out of it, and it worked good. Mm -hmm. so, um, Philo says Hootie, Hootie needs a Derringer with an optic mount. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm actually trying to work on a pick rail on the top of the six inch barrel. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'm dead serious. Yeah, pick Red. rail that bad boy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
hogs at 50 yards. Yeah. Christian Gress says uh, California laws are trying to come to your state too. Got to continue the fight. That garbage. Uh, Virginia is in a uh, heap of crap currently with their governor trying to ban everything. Yes, absolutely. The the fight's in every single state. So. Yep. Um, and then uh, Vanessa Kitty says uh, she read that transporting ammo into the state is illegal. That's probably true. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Forrest uh, Hallman 64 says, uh, Hootie Hoo, you told me you don't have a double barrel. I Let's forgot see. about that one. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> All right. So what's the other gun you got? The other one is similar where it's black powder but this those are smoothbore barrels this is a rifle barrel you're probably not going to be able to see in the barrel but yeah no unless you put a light down there a 54 caliber oh. i'd never even heard of this but my cousin dropped it off and said have some fun and make some videos so yeah it's black powder too i'm yeah. not a huge black powder fan because i hate cleaning guns but mm-hmm. We're going to have some fun with that. Yeah, so are you going to shoot that at some plates? Uh, what's going to be the situation with that here? I, I thought about you this past Saturday. I filmed mm-hmm. 338 Lapua Magnum versus paper plates. Okay. How, how many? Coming soon. Yeah, oh, okay. How many paper plates can uh, can that go through? I know we got we got to check out the video. Yeah, can we, can well. We, can we get a little eight, preview? About 800. About 800. 800. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> just about half of the fifty BMG. <laughs> it's just funny to see you going through the plates. Like, how many plates can your hand? You got big hands. How many plates can your can you go through at one time? <laughs> like, so when you're sectioning that off with your hand, like how many? So a handful of plates is how many plates? He does. Well, he shoots through a bunch of paper plates stacked. The fifty BMG went through like six feet of plates. So I mean, that's a lot. Holy crap! Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I know that, so the Fort Scott guys have 380, right? And they put out this video. Uh, one of them went hunting in Canada. And I think he had like a, he says a T, TWN takedown or something like that. Um, that they put a that they put a 380 round into. They took down a black bear one shot. And that shot placement. Yeah. I think it just hit him right in the, in the neck, spinal column, smashed it. You know, uh, and he went down. So, you know, I'm just saying, hootie who, you've done, you've probably done 380 though before, right? Yeah, I've never hunted with one, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Clayton's uh, uh, in the chat. Maybe we go after an elk in November with a 380. Oh my gosh! I'll ride it, and then I'll take the elk. You're gonna ride, okay? Out of it and land on it with from the tree and ride it like a horse. Right, 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 right. Make sure you put up lots of cameras because that's going to be funny. <laughs> that's going to be some funny video. <laughs> that elk might be having you for dinner. <laughs> be good footage. <laughs> yeah, Adam, let Adam, uh, not, not, uh, let uh, Clayton shoot video of that. Uh, and then uh, speaking of Clayton, he says Adam will put a full-size rifle scope on that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you'll scope out anything, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Put a deer scope on a twenty-two pistol the other day. Yeah. That's probably what he's talking about. Okay. Uh, SoCal Gunner says, uh, Gun Guy TV on YouTube has a great breakdown on the new Cali laws. Uh, GOC and FPC put out a bunch of uh, good info online for a new Cali insanity, just for anyone who's looking, uh, looking to figure out what's going on with those laws. Try to get up on it. Don't get in trouble in California, man. 
you know. Yeah. Those state troopers might be out there waiting for you to come back over the over the state right. lines, pull you over. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Um, uh, Billy Phoenix says, what, 380, didn't know about it. Yeah, if you go on Fort Scott Munitions' uh, YouTube channel, you'll see that video. And they have like an autopsy as well of the bear. So um, those guys are always doing crazy shoots and stuff like that. So... Um, their ammo is good hunting stuff, and, and that's really what they develop it for. Of course, they've got some defensive stuff with the 380, 9mm, etc. So, uh, let's see. What other? Do you have any other guns over there that you can show off, Garrett? What do you, what do you got over there? I got some of my. Uh, so I got. So one thing is, I've been a cowboy action shooter since I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. um, we just got back from Into Trail, which is the world championship for cowboy action shooting. And I usually, like for example, this year I placed second overall at nationals with 500 shooters. So I've been doing it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a heavily modified uh, Ruger Vaquero um, oh, wow. that nice. has an octagonal. Wow. So you can see that octagonal. It originally started as a round shillin blank, about that big around, huh. all machined down on the flats. And it makes the gun just balance like a dream. And it's also extremely, extremely that heavy. That's good. Uh, it's a, oh man, this is a sexy pistol. What's in the, um, I'm sorry, what's in the grip? What's the grip made of? So that's a company called uh, Eagle Grips and okay. they do, um, it's, it's a type of polymer. But it's extremely, extremely grippy. I mean, when you grab your, when you grab this in your hand, you're, it's it's just in, it's just on it. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the coolest things about this gun. So uh, you know, Ruger Vaquero, you're kind of about six or seven hundred dollars. Um, this one pistol right here is about seventeen hundred. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, the problem is when at any sport, you know, whether it's three gun or sporting clays or whatever, if you're competing at the top level. You kind of got to spend the money to get the yeah. equipment. Yeah. Um, so if you look at this, it has a short stroke in it. Um, wow. So you'll see this gap down here. Normally, that gap is taken up with the hammer. But on this, it's just that short. So you can see I can. Oh, yeah. Wow. Real, that's two shots. That's two shots. That's two shots. Wow. So you can get going really, really, really quick with them. Yeah. Um, um, do you do the spin? Do you spin the cylinders on that one? You can. Oh. Let's see. Let's hear but it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Did cool you, little gun. Did right? you see John Wick? The last John Wick, where he put, where he assembled. Yep. Yeah, he assembled. Yep. What do you think about well, you that? You know, our, our, you know, I have my problems with that. I've actually, okay. we're actually really good friends. We're really good friends with the prop people that 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 do that movie. So I have mm -hmm. nothing bad to say. Mm -hmm. um, they they weren't super huge fans of that scene either but i understand what the director was trying to do it was an homage to the good and the bad and the ugly when mm -hmm. he's sitting there in the bathtub and the guys are coming up sneaking up on him and they hear the the different sounds and it's him putting the gun together mm -hmm. and then they come to the door and he shoots them so mm -hmm. but it was a little funny because you know he pulls one round out of that case and he's searching through all these different guns to and you end up making a gun to yeah, fit? Yeah. yeah and then he only used it for one shot right but but y'all did notice in that movie, the first gun, the first two shots yes. of the movie were with Boom. Yes, yes. Ba boom Yeah. Um, so yeah, we that's, really... that's what he, so when he went to get, um, what was the thing, what was that scene? He went to get sewed up, right? He had to get By... stitched up. Yeah, yeah he had to yeah. get stitched up and he only had like 30 seconds left right. before his uh, contract went out on him. Right, yeah. And so, you know, the doctor, he, the doctor ended up, you know, letting so, him stay past the time. Right. So he had to cap him twice. So yeah. was that, um, was that a rough neck or a rough and ready? That is a backup with a four and a quarter inch barrel. 
Oh, okay. Okay. That's so, a completely something oh, so, we put together just for them. Oh, so that's a specific that was a specific huh. gun. Okay. Yep. Are you going to be selling that like John Wick? Uh, it's on sale right now. Oh, thousand of them is all we're gonna make. Oh, yep. really? A limit. Okay. So, what are you guys selling those for? I think it's uh, six ninety nine or I'm sorry, six ninety nine or seven ninety nine with an extra barrel. Okay. And then it says something about John Wick in the thing, or yeah, it's gonna say wicked. It's gonna say wicked on the side of the gun, and then oh. the serial number is a JW 1 through a thousand. And then on the side oh. of the barrel, it says, this is on uh, the website. Hold know, on, let me go pull yeah, this yeah. up. Oh yeah, yeah, it's on the website. Pull this up while we're. Uh, it's gonna take me a while. Go ahead, keep talking. And then it says uh, parabellum, you know, on the side of the barrel. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, for war. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you it's a cool, it's if a cool you gun. seek peace, prepare for war. There you go. That's right. Yes, that's uh, that's my motto right there. Armament and Nexus says that we got to hear Garrett say, "I'm your Huckleberry." I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Take it easy. Let's see. I so here, I got I something else to show you. So Winchester seventy three. This is a cowboy race gun. Oh wow! So you see, it, it's short stroke. So the lever only goes that far. But when you really get going, holy crap! Um, so how fast? Uh, how fast fa can you load that? Um, well, the question is, how fast can I unload it? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you can shoot ten shots. The world record with ten shots with the lever gun is one point five five. Mm. So ten shots from the beep in one one and a half seconds. Um, okay. It's got a faster rate of fire than a lot of machine guns. Um, I I I won the fastest rifle into trail this year it was it was 10 shots on five different targets in 1.81 seconds wow wow so yeah we, we are, the cowboy action shooting is actually the fastest shooting sports of all the shooting sports we do more in a shorter period of time than any other shooting sport so we're shooting 24 shots generally that's 10 shots out of revolvers 10 shots out of pistols and four shots out of either a double barrel shotgun or a 90 um, and we're doing that in between 12 and 16 seconds for the top shooters. Wow. Okay. Uh, while we're while you're talking while you guys are talking about that, I'm throwing up the Wicked package right now. Um, yeah. It says regular price 870, price 711. Uh, what's the options? Okay, it's just it's just 45 uh, long Colt and 410, right? Yes. That's the options that you get. Uh, no, wait. No, you got two barrels. Barrel yeah, too. you got two yeah. barrels. Okay, so you got that and the nine millimeter barrel for that okay 30 ounces on the weight okay very cool yeah it's got wicked um on it and it's got parabellum on the barrels all right cool Sweet. yeah cool. yeah cool so, little package yeah, yeah so uh and you said you you guys only made a thousand of these we're only gonna make a thousand of them that's oh, right. okay and they're available right now right yep yep okay so anyone who's interested in that uh you know basically the, the pretty much the same setup as uh, what was in john wick if you're looking for that from Bond Arms, if you're a Bond Identical. Arms collector, yeah. yeah, or you just like having cool movie guns, there you go. That's really not too bad. No, no. yeah, and with the extra barrel, it's not a bad deal. Yeah. yeah. Can you show Hank the sights on the one that you have? So I said I never had one in my hand. What do the sights look like? On a Derringer? Yeah. Not much. Yeah. You see that? It's got a little blade. Uh, it's just got a little blade right in the, the front. Rare, yeah, the rear sight. Got a little like notch. A notch. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, you just yeah. got a little notch. You're not going to do a tremendous amount of yeah. aiming with that bad boy. Oh, I bet no. we could. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure well, you could if you wanted to, yes. Bob Munden used to shoot one on a 12-inch plate at 100 yards. 
okay. and be able to hit it regularly. Oh, wow. So so the, the guns have a good mechanical accuracy, just the sights aren't very good. So once you figure out where they hit, you're able to hit pretty consi- pretty you know regularly where mm-hmm. you want to put it mm-hmm. bullet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Walter from Safety Harbor Firearms. I see him out there. He's hanging out in the chat. Uh, shout out to him. Did you have any other guns, Garrett? Um, I got my I got a double barrel here. Okay. Um, so for a cowboy action shooting, this is a Ithaca. Um, oh wow! Made by made, made by SKB. Um, you can see how wow polished we do. That's so yeah, that's so smooth. That's nice. We do the chambers. Was this a stage um, a stage uh, stagecoach gun? Or? This this normally would have been a much longer barrel bird hunting gun, and we okay. chop it down. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there if they know what an SKB is, they're like, "You did what to what?" Well, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, we take a really nice bird hunting gun and create a travesty with it mm-hmm. um it looks good i don't think see. it's a travesty oh, oh no oh no it's a beautiful yeah it's a, it's a beautiful shotgun um i mean you can see you just hit the switch and the gun just flicks open like nothing wow um they have bump stops in them so that you can turn it upside down and it doesn't automatically close wait uh, bu- it, it has a bump stock yeah, no. because when you're shooting one of the, <laughs> I'm just the bump, bump stop, stop, stop. Bump yeah. stop. <laughs> when you're shooting one of these, you put it up here like this, and you have to shuck it like this to get yeah. the shells out of the gun. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the barrels to accidentally flop close when you're doing that. So they're built with a bump stop in there so that they don't close unless you want them to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, really that's cool. cool. Little, yeah. Really cool shotguns. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that we use in cowboy action shooting is uh, a Winchester 1897. All right. Um, all, nice. all, all cut down. Um, a lot slicker than most of the ones you you, you, you get out there. I can I can shuck yeah. that one with two fingers. Yeah. And that has um, a nice patina on it, man. Well used. This gun's got, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of rounds through yeah. it. Um, I haven't cleaned it yet from EOT. Um, but the, the way that we shoot it is you actually pull four shells at a time in your hand. You hold them right here, and you throw one in the side, and you slam fire this gun. You hold the trigger back, and you push it forward. And when you push yeah. it forward, the hammer drops. Boom, yeah. Boom, yeah. boom. Yeah. Yeah, cool cool shotgun. Yeah, I think Babyface has one of those that he's very proud of that he, that, uh, he shows off. Because you don't really see that anymore, right? You don't see. I mean, you you'll see them around at gun shows and stuff like that, but you don't see many people going out to the range and shooting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you shoot that in competition, do you just hold the trigger down the entire you, time? Well, you can't you can't have the magazine stoked. So that's the hard part about it is you have to pull four shells from your belt and you hold them in your hand. So I'll put one in the port and I'll slam it forward and that fired and I'll pull it back and then I put mm. the second one in the port, slam it forward and pull it back. Third one in the port, uh, okay. all the way to four. Each time you're single loading it. Yeah. yeah, so they require you have that level of control over it. Over the rounds, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, how many rounds could it? Can you uh, can you load it? What is the tube? You could stoke that tube with five rounds, but you could buy extended tubes to go out even further if you wanted to. Okay. But but will that but one slam fire? Can you fire all of those without letting go of the trigger? Absolutely. That's one of the funnest parts about a ninety-seven. Did you have you seen those, Hank? Oh uh, no. Yeah, you can just hold the trigger down and bang, 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 bang. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, when wow. you're running this gun right here, if I had it, if I had the the tube loaded, that's shooting the gun every single time. Mm-hmm. Because so you watch the hammer when I pull forward, mm-hmm. the hammer snaps forward at the same time. Yeah. So it doesn't have a trigger disconnect like modern shotguns have in them. Yeah. Len Holt says a knuckle duster. Yeah. If you yeah, obviously if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, you, you, your knuckles will get busted up a little bit there. That's right. 
Yeah, and Billy Phoenix says, oh, like the 1937 Winchester the Army used in Nam." Yep, the M37 yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and then some people out there like the name Travesty, or Beautiful Travesty is like a great name, I guess, for a gun. It's probably a good name for a rock band. Yeah, <laughs> Beautiful Travesty, not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I like it. I think that's a good idea. Someone's going to go out there and trademark that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. Is, do, do you guys want to get into news a little bit here? I'm trying to see what news we have or what news do the, do the folks have out there that they want to talk about um, in the gun world that we could jump into here. I know we had some debates yesterday. No, I didn't watch that. I didn't either. Me either. Yeah, yeah. my brain can't handle that kind of uh, craziness. I know, <laughs> um, I guess there was some news out of that, that Cory Booker... Uh, he's got some crazy ideas of what the Constitution is <laughs> when it comes to gun, guns. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, Everyone Booker, on that yeah. side has an interesting concept of the Constitution. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, I'm trying to see what else is going on out there that we could uh, get into here news-wise. This, I didn't really see like a lot of big, uh, lot of big news going on out there for news so if anyone out there has something they want to particularly talk about oh you know what lola put a note here on my desk she said what is the uh what is the warranty that bond arms has i think that's a good it's question. uh basically like a no questions asked um uh non-stated like ruger warranty where if you ever have an issue with one of your guns we're going to take care of it period okay sweet Awesome. Yeah, yeah that, that's, uh, I don't know, man. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, whether it takes it replacing it or making right. whatever it takes to make so it So regardless of what owner you are, you don't have to be the first owner on that? Just You, you found it on the side of the road. We're going to take care of it. All right, cool. I'd like to find a bucket on the side of the road. <laughs> of guns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you might want to do some uh, research <laughs> if you find something on the side of the road like that. But, you know, um uh, Billy Phoenix says, Hank, I think California has a copyright on travesty. Um, and then Husay says, anyone want to talk about the Women's World Cup? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, Vanderbilt won the World Series of College Baseball. That's here in Nashville. Oh, cool. Okay. Congratulations That's to them. Guns, but... Yeah. Mr. Saving the Day says Ohio passed constitutional carry today. All right, that's that's good stuff. Um, doesn't Kentucky's constitutional carry went into effect, right? Yeah, I saw that on so, Instagram. Was that today. today or yesterday that that went into effect? Someone will have to fill oh, me in on that. Uh, let me know. I think that went into effect either today or yesterday. So, yeah. uh, you know, let's let's see what's going on out there. Uh, Screaming Skull Saloon says, I thought my mustache was impressive. So Garrett stepped away for a second, so he's missing all the awesome, uh, all the kudos for the, for that. Uh, Husay says, laugh out loud, no soccer. Um, Even though that was going on with soccer. I'm oblivious to that. Yeah. Um, they're not, how close are they to that? It's, it's not, they don't have the championship, like, it's not the final game or whatever going on in the soccer. I don't even have clue. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, Jay, Jack wants to know if you were at the SASS Championships in New Mexico. That's where I was at last week. Yep, yep there absolutely. You go. Yeah. 
Uh, what was your ranking again? How'd you do? I was 11th overall. Okay. There's six, 600 shooters. Okay, cool. That's pretty good. I, I was, yeah, I was, I'm normally, I'm shooting for top five. So I, oh, was, okay. pers- All right. I was personally not too happy with it, but um, still, yeah, not bad. Are the prizes only in top five? Their single action shooting society is very different um, in that uh, there are no actual monetary prizes. Oh, okay. It's all just bragging rights and trophies. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But one thing that's cool is so Bond, so this is my competition. Oh, here we go. Hold on. I'm going to have to full screen this. Wait a second. Boom. Look mm-hmm. at that thing. That's beautiful. That's beauteous. Right you got there. my alias on the back of it. Oh, my alias is wa- Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah. Waterloo. Check that oh, yeah. out. That's in badass, man. I like that. Right. Okay. I think, um, I think so, we have the thumbnail for the show here. That is gorgeous, <laughs> man. Isn't that pretty? So this gun has actually won um, six of 20 world championships with the Derringer. Um, that's kind of what, what I kind of got known for. Um, wow. And the last two years have been won by a guy who's my close friend named Mike Wilcox, a.k.a. Smokestack. Um, he has the, has the world record for lever-action rifle, fastest lever-action rifle. Um, but this year he did two shots um, from, a, from a Bond Arms, holding it in your hand with the muzzle down on two separate targets in .39, so less than half a second. Wow. Um, wow. So that's so, so 20 show, years. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say it's been 20 years in a row now um, that Bond Arms has won the Derringer competition at the World Championship. Oh, cool. And then what other companies do you guys go up in that? Um, you know, you got mostly it's Cobra, um, okay. to be honest. Um, and there's a lot of older Derringers and stuff out there, but but pretty much Bond has won just because you can operate this faster than any other Derringer. Okay. Very cool, yep. man. Um, what other work have you done to that other than this? Um, I'm just, what, what are the springs. handles? What are the handles? It's a it's a it's a material called true ivory T R U okay. ivory. It's not real ivory, but it's okay. it actually when your hands are sweaty, your hands actually grip to it. Okay. Um, uh, it's got a it's got a competition mainspring in it, so it's a little bit lighter to pull. Yeah, the, I can see that. The Rangers yeah. have to have a pretty heavy uh, hammer spring because they pop four hundred nine shotgun primers, which are much more difficult to pop than a mm-hmm. thirty eight special federal yeah. primer. Um, but basically, in competition, you're just sweeping the hammer back twice wow. as fast as you That's can. That's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, yep. that is but really cool, gun. man. I like that gun. That's really nice. Yeah, um, this is a uh, done by Matt Engraver Carter out of Abilene. He's the youngest person ever to be inducted into the um, Firearms Engravers Guild of America. Oh wow! Okay, and he, yeah, he's good. He does he does all Cabot's engravings. If you ever seen their their thousand dollar hundred thousand dollar engraved guns, right. that's Auto. That's my friend. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay, yeah, I think they were talking about him when they were on, right? Is yeah, that um, is that the guy that just started doing that from out of nowhere? Yeah, maybe like ten years ago he yeah. was doing it, and he immediately was like one of the best in the world out yeah. of nowhere. It's crazy. Yeah, yep. they were telling me that story. I was like, whatever. Yeah, no, so he's, that's true. He's nuts. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, it's true. Yeah, he's amazing. Wow. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Congratulations to him. How's how's the? Uh, and I know we're at the nine o'clock hour. We'll go like a few minutes over here before we end it. We just got kind of caught up in this conversation. Um, so how is this with um, how is this with dropping, right? Because I know there are some derringers that um, that have that issue. Like I think uh, recently in Florida, there was a thing that happened where a lady dropped her purse and somehow it went off and shot her husband. Yep. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't a bond arms. I don't know what it was, but how how are the bond arms with that? So ours is the only derringer that has that patented rebounding hammer. So when you're looking at the gun, it looks like the hammer's at half cock. Mm-hmm. What happens is when you pull the trigger, 
that releases the the safety mechanism that allows the hammer to travel forward. Mm-hmm. So that means if the trigger isn't pulled and the hammer bounces back, it cannot go forward to touch the firing pins. Um, so every other Derringer out there has basically an at-rest position, a half-cock position, and a full-cock position. What happens is if you put it at half-cock and you don't use the safety, that's not a there's not a heavy block on that. If you just push on it hard or slap it hard, it, it will go. ride forward and it'll hit the firing pins. Right, okay. Yep. So our guns, actually, to get into California, we had to do a six-foot drop on the concrete directly. Um, but we've gotten several. Just last week, we got um, uh, a testimonial from a gentleman who dropped his gun on the ground, fully loaded with PDX 410 shotgun shells, and it was pointed at his face when it hit the ground, straight on the hammer, wow. and it didn't go off. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that sets us apart as far as, as, far as a quality Derringer from everybody else, okay. um, is, is the safety mechanism of it. Um, that's why, actually, if you look at the top of the Derringer, there's a set screw right there, um, and that set screw allows you to lock the safety off. Mm-hmm. In order to carry it with the safety off, because you know, as we know, single-action revolvers don't have have manual safeties. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruger Vaqueros don't have manual sa- safeties. Things like that. This is the same thing. Um, we like to call it our lawyer safety, so it is there if you want to use it. Um, and you can also lock it on for a child safety lock. Okay. If you're not using the gun and you need to lock it out to where it won't work, you can take that little bitty Allen wrench and tighten that down and lock the safety in the on position. Okay. So it gives you a lot of different changes, a yeah. lot of different options. I think the I think um, your mustache is rubbing on the microphone a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's <Sorry>. cool. ASMR, <laughs> <laughs> man. Huh? I said mustache ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's see. Hold on a second here. You know what? We probably need to wrap it up because we're over we're over the nine o'clock hour. Um, I, I think it was. I think it was a good show. We'll, we'll probably get Garrett to come back on. Of course, we'll have Hootie Who, uh, just because the people love Hootie Who. I mean, you know, so so easy. I don't know what kind of black magic you have going on in these people, man. <laughs> kind of voodoo spell, but yeah, they they love Hootie Who, huh? I wish I had some voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. We'll we'll wrap it up right now. Um, let's get okay. Let's get from Hootie Who. What do you have going on? How can the people follow you? Um, check you out. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, everything. Okay, all so, Hootie Who, right? It's all Hootie Who. W H O T E W H O. Okay. Give it a but. Uh, my biggest thing, you send me a message, I'll message you back. I uh, have a live show every single night. so You got a video going up tonight, right now, I think, right? Tonight, right after I get off this, I'm going to set that sucker live. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what's the video tonight? Uh, how to spray weed killer with a 50 BMG. Okay. <laughs> Already? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you guys right after keep <laughs> fun. Yes, absolutely. Right after this, you guys go check out Hootie Who. He's gonna have that going on. Check out his channel. Uh subscribe if you haven't subscribed and all that. Okay, Garrett, how can the folks out there that want to find out more about Bond Arms and you, you know, since you're doing competitive shooting and stuff like that, how can they follow you and figure out, you know, get in touch with you guys, etc.? Well, at Bond, we've got Facebook and Instagram. Um, like and share and follow that. Um, we're, we're doing more and more postings on social media every day. Um, and then personally, if you want to follow me and my wife and some of our shooting adventures, um, you can check out Gun Nomads on Instagram. Okay, cool. Yeah, Gun Nomads. Uh, matter of fact, let me see. Before we go, I want everyone to get up on that Gun Nomads on Instagram. And uh, subs- I'm going to do it right now. My phone f- is at the repair shop. I'm going yeah. to follow you I'm in gonna the morning. Th- 
Yeah, Thank I'm going to do it right now. That. I'm going to throw that up for people. I'll share my phone here. Let's see. And uh, Gun Nomads, right? Yep. Gun Nomads. Is it like underscore or just oh. – Under, Underscore Nomads. There yep. you go. Uh, Daniel, uh, Danielle and Martin, right? Boom. Following. Yep. Get over there and follow it, people. Lots of cool stuff going on there. Is that the RV? Yeah, that's the RV. Oh, very nice. Very nice. There you go. All right, so I'm following, and there's lots of Bond Arm stuff on there for you guys if you want to check it uh, out. What's yeah. your schedule like for the summer? Where are you going to be hanging out with the RV? Yeah, good question. I'll be heading to I'll be heading to Sturgis. I'll be heading to Sturgis. Um, oh wow! At the end of July, and then we actually put on a Bond Arm shooting experience. So um, it'll be me and my wife. Um, we're putting on a basically. You want to learn how to shoot cowboy guns fast? Um, you can come out and and actually come out to the range and shoot. Um, we'll be out there for 12 days, and then after that, um, y'all can check out our schedule um, on uh, on our Instagram page. Um, but we should be going to quite a few rallies uh, this fall. Uh, we do Daytona. We do Fayette. We do. I mean, we just there's there's all kinds of stuff. So basically, starting August 1st, we're on the road doing all kinds of different things. Okay, when you're in Daytona, let me know, man. That's in that's in my state. You know. Um, Hootie, who, yeah. uh, I don't know which one of those is close to you or if you heard anything. I, I can ride down to Daytona or okay. whatever. Yeah, man. When there he's going to do Daytona, yeah, come down and visit and we'll go out there together or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Check it out. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Very cool. I want to thank everyone for joining us, hanging out with us tonight. Really appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I think is we're going to have Walter and Babyface P tomorrow coming up on the show. Not sure what we're going to get into, what we're going to talk about, but uh, this has been an awesome show. We'll get Garrett to come back on here. We'll get Hootie Who back on in here at some point. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. We're out of here. I don't know. Does anyone else have anything to say before we get out? What's, oh, thanks, what's the story on the monkey? What's the monkey? Oh, man? there you go. What's the What's that logo, the monkey? Uh, oh, that? Yeah. That's a, that's a local company here in Austin called Howler Brothers, and they do all kinds of fishing clothing and other kind of stuff. Oh, cool, like Howler Monkeys. Like, like Howler Brother Monkeys, oh, yep. Sweet, yep. sweet. Very cool. All right. Good good question. Good question. Who do you? <laughs> All right, guys. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. See you see later, ya. guys.